This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. The 1911 is one of the most iconic firearms in history. Designed by John Browning, the 1911 was the standard-issue sidearm of the U.S. military from 1911 to 1985. While Colt produced the original, almost every major firearm company has produced its own version. It's wildly revered for its reliability, crisp trigger, and is still a favorite for all types of shooters. Whether you're looking to buy or build a 1911 and just about everything for guns, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Saddle hunting for me has been a complete, and I hate even saying the word, uh, game changer for how I how I like to hunt. If you've been thinking about getting into a saddle, now is the exact perfect time to do it. You have the entire spring and summer to kind of dangle in the backyard and get prepared for the upcoming season, be able to practice all your shots, getting in and out of the tree, experiment with your different climbing options that you have uh, to lighten your load and be more mobile. If you're interested in getting hooked up and getting into a saddle, I would definitely be checking out Tethered. They have Two great saddles out. One is the new Phantom saddle, which is killer. It has a bunch of new comfort features that are built into it, as well as a utility bridge to kind of help with lengthening and shortening the bridge to make sure you have the optimum comfort. And you can get the uh, the OG, as I like to refer to it, uh, that I've been doing my hunting out of the past couple of years, which is the, the Mantis saddle. I might also recommend the Predator platform, especially if you're transitioning from a tree stand to a saddle. It gives, just gives you that little bit uh, sense of familiarity that you would have with a, a platform under your feet that you would have that would be similar to a uh, similar to a tree stand and it made my transition a couple years ago really seamless from tree stand hunting to to saddle hunting so if you're interested in checking out more about saddle hunting in general i would head over to tetherednation.com check out all their products they have some killer youtube videos you will thank me later the first thing I do in the morning before a hunt, before a scout, or just before getting ready for work is have my morning coffee, and I'm sure most of you out there listening are the same. Make sure you're filling your mug with Skull Brew Coffee, as it is the only coffee company that is both 2% for conservation certified and donates 10% of its profits to conservation organizations to help secure the future of our wild places. So head to SkullBrewCoffee.com and choose between three killer roasts of coffee and know that you are supporting conservation with every sip. Welcome to the Truth From The Stand Deer Hunting Podcast, brought to you by Skull Brew Coffee Company. I'm your host, Clint Campbell, and you're listening to episode number 179. Today I'm joined by my good buddy, Wilson McSwain, and we're talking Wyoming turkeys and the challenges of suburban whitetail hunting. So stay tuned. Hey, 
is happening, folks? Happy Wednesday to you. Hope you are doing well. Hope you are feeling fine. Hope everyone had a fantastic Memorial Day uh, holiday. First and foremost, I want to say thanks. Thank you to all the servicemen and women out there that make um, not just this holiday great, but make this yeah, the, the country that we live in great. It's a little, it's been some odd times lately, um, of course, but uh, just want to make sure that we, you know, remember those that made sacrifices for us to have those freedoms that we, uh, that we do have and that we have that are, uh, that are continued, uh, continuing to be uh, worth, worth fighting for. So just want to make sure I mentioned that before we get started. Uh, a couple cool things today, man, that I want to, I want to mention first and foremost, not first and foremost, already had a first and foremost. Um, really exciting. Uh, just go ahead and kind of get it out of the way and mention it. So as you know, if you've been listening to this podcast for any length of time, you know, I've done this series of DIY report mini series um, episodes, which have, uh, you know, thanks to you guys have been, we've had a great response to those. I feel like they're really kind of cool and helpful, um, you know, breaking kind of maybe more conceptual, harder ideas down into smaller bite-sized chunks to where folks can take those things digest them and then be able to apply them in the timber or on their, on their hunts. So in that same spirit, um, I was actually having a conversation with, uh, with Dan Enfault, the hunting beast himself, kind of talking about a next session of, of, of possible series. And what we're going to end up doing is, is there's going to be a series of hunting beasts, uh, hunting beast and truth from the stand kind of collaborative podcasts that are going to come out. Don't know the exact number, probably anywhere from three to five, um, and the reason I'm announcing this is because these are all going to be strictly uh, listener questions answered by uh, the hunting beast, you know, Dan Enfold himself. We may at some point have on, uh, you know, another another member of the beast um, to help answer some questions. Um, I'll of course be there adding my adding my two cents uh, as well. And then the kicker is is that you know we're going to select uh, folks out there that are listeners. Um, one for each episode to actually come on the podcast with Dan and I and, and be part of the podcast itself, uh, which we thought would be really cool. I mean, you guys do, you know, you guys, you know, Dan's crew supports him like crazy and you guys have been listening to this podcast for years and supporting me, um, you know, in, in this format. And so it's just kind of a way we wanted to give back and answer questions that folks might have, you know, about things that, you know, they might hear about, like whether it's on the Honey Beast forum, whether it's watching Dan's DVDs or things you've heard on this podcast or whatever the case is. Uh, we just thought it'd be a really cool way because Dan's got a lot of, a lot of knowledge to share that I don't think, you know, that's, that's a, that's a mystery or, you know, shocking to hear. Um, but a lot of times on podcasts, you know, he gets asked a lot of the same questions over and over. Um, and, and I've tried to, you know, when I've had him on, I've tried to ask questions a little bit differently or maybe go a little bit deeper with him on a topic or whatever the case is. But at the same time, it's like, I still am coming up with these questions and thoughts, you know, from the perspective of where I'm at as a hunter and the things that I want to know and things that I'm interested in kind of hearing from him. And I'm trying to, you know, channel you guys out there listening and trying to figure out what it is that you might want to hear from him as well. So with that, we decided, you know, the best thing to do would probably just be like, let's throw it to the crew. Let's throw it to you guys and see what you want to know about um, and send questions in. And so what we're going to do is after this podcast comes out, I'm going to send out a post on you know Instagram and Facebook and in Instagram stories, and I'm going to lay out the topic, you know, and so we're going to, you know, I think there's going to be roughly five topics is I think what our plan is. And I'm looking at my notes here right now to figure out. So I think the topics that we're going to do, so we're going to do one podcast that's going to be related to wind and thermals. We're going to do another podcast that's, re, you know, related to, to bed hunting. 
We're going to do another one that's related to just like aggressive, uh, you know, aggressive tactics in general, probably leaning more toward public land tactics, a little bit of early season hunting, rut hunting, and then a session on reading maps and reading maps and topo. And so what I'll essentially do is send out a, uh, a post on social media asking for folks to, to, to submit questions. You can submit them in the comments. You can submit them in responding in the stories, whatever the case is. And then what Dan and I are going to do is just randomly select <clears throat> someone who entered a question and choose that person to then come on the, to that related podcast with us. So for example, if you sent in a question and asked, you know, what is a, uh, you know, a thermal hub, you know, or, or tell me a little bit about how you would set up using a, you know, in a, in a thermal hub or would you hunt a thermal hub or whatever the case is, you know, that would be your question you would submit uh, for the wind and thermals conversation. And then we would see however many questions we have, say there's a hundred questions. We would then go in and randomly pick, one of those people out of that hundred to come on the podcast and join us for that record and be part of the show. So it's just our little way of giving back. I'm looking forward to this, uh, this session, uh, a lot. I, I really enjoy the, the, the listener Q and a sessions that I've done in the past, whether it was, whether it was with John and I, or Chad and I, or I, we've done them with, you know, Cody DeQuisto in the past and stuff like that. Those are always a lot of fun. And there's always questions that come up that we just didn't think about. And it, it not only is, uh, you know, helpful for whomever's asking the question, but a lot of times we get questions that sometimes we haven't thought about for a while and it's just a good reminder, or maybe it's something we've not thought about at all. And it's helping us kind of learn and put puzzle pieces together at the same time. So be sure to be on the lookout for that post and get involved. If you want to, uh, if you want a chance to be on the show with, uh, with the hunting beast, Dan Enfault and, uh, and myself. So, so with that, just some, some quick housekeeping here before we get uh, into the today's episode, um, one, I have cemented the plans for the fall. So I'm super stoked about that. You know, we hit this Memorial day holiday. It's kind of like the, the milestone marker for it's time to time to get ready to grind on whitetails. It's camera placement and getting all those things kind of ready and start really locking in plans for the fall. And so right now everything is confirmed. I will be in Missouri the first week of November. Actually for that week, I'll actually have a camera guy with me for the week. Um, all public land. Um, this is a, a little, uh, a film project for some folks I, that, that I work with, um, th- which is the reason why I'll have the camera guy with me. So I'm really looking forward to that, have a couple pieces of public kind of picked out, um, which is kind of why I've been building the, the travel trailer and stuff like that, because that's going to be my rig for, uh, rig for the fall, because it'll be Missouri the first week of November. And then right after I wrap that hunt up, you know, I think I'm in Missouri the first through the seventh, I think. And then I'm in Ohio, like the eighth through whatever it is, the 15th or 16th, whatever, whatever that, whatever the case is, like another seven, eight days. And so that's kind of going to be my, my plans for the, for the fall. And of course, Pennsylvania, you know, in the middle of September, uh, through the end of, uh, through the end of October. So pretty pumped that everything for that has been, has been nailed down. I know what I'm doing. So now it's just time to kind of, uh, kind of focus on reading maps and, and getting ready. Cause I don't know that I'm going to have a chance to get to Missouri. I'm there's an off chance that I may get out there for a long weekend to do some scouting. Uh, but the plan as it stands right now, I would say is probably 75% that I'm going to be going out, uh, blind and just freelance hunting the, uh, the entire week in, in Missouri. So, um, that should be really cool. Looking forward to that. Uh, so with that, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to take up too much more of your time on this upfront. We'll get kind of jumped into the podcast. But before I do that, just make mention that Skull Brew Coffee is running a promo right now for the Memorial Day holiday. Um, There's a discount on the site, skullbrewcoffee.com. You don't need a promo code. Just go there, 
re-up whatever supply you need, or if you've not tried it, this is a great chance to try. We have three different roasts. Check those out. And then whenever you go to check out, uh, a discount will automatically be applied to your shopping cart. So with that, we'll go ahead and get jumped into today's show. I have my buddy Wilson McSwain on with me. I've had him on in the past. He's my buddy that lives here close by. We do a fair amount of hunting together. He's a really passionate turkey hunter, so we talk a little bit about turkey hunting. Uh, he took a kind of last-minute, you know, uh, trip to Wyoming, just like off the cuff. Like one day I called him and he was like, Hey, I'm in Wyoming. And I saw him like a day and a half before that. So he went out there and chased some birds, had a, had a really cool hunt and did some, uh, some trout fishing while he was out there and stuff, had a great time out West. And then has been back here chasing birds ever since. And actually, I think as I'm recording this, I, I think he's actually in New York, uh, chasing birds over this, over, uh, over this long weekend. So we talked a little bit about that. And then we, um, we talk more specifically about hunting small kind of suburban parcels of, of public land and, and, and knock on door access. Cause that's a lot of what Wilson hunts is knock on door access and, and, and public land, of course. And these are all the small parcel variety. And so we talk a lot about the challenges that kind of come along with that. And you can imagine the challenges that come along with it just in terms of like the sheer, uh, size of some of those pieces being really, really small, but there's also like the social kind of, uh, challenges that you have of, um, trying to get deer in and out of small woodlots behind people's houses and stuff like that, or being parked at a gas station, having blood all over the back of your car because you don't drive a truck and the deer's in your trunk and like the things that kind of happen and cops stopping you and just all kinds of weird stuff that happens whenever you hunt in some of these kind of small, um, little suburban kind of woodlots. So with that, we'll go ahead and hop into the podcast. And as always, thank you all for listening. All right, folks, welcome back to another episode of the Truth From The Stand Deer Hunting Podcast. And today I got my buddy, you know him, you love him, the mustached (laughs) man, the turkey talker, Mr. Wilson McSwain, hailing from the great state of Washington by way of Pennsylvania recently. Yes. Hello. I'm still confused at how I got to Pennsylvania, but I'm living with it. I'm confused at how you got to Pennsylvania, too, because you were in Washington, and then you were in Colorado. Yep. And talk about two like killer outdoor states. I went uphill and then I went downhill. You went downhill figuratively and literally. No offense to people in Pennsylvania, but <laughs> I do like it for the most part. For the most part. Well, I mean, you had a good reason to to make those transitions. You have a you have a lovely wife yes. whose family is here. So that's that's the reason for free babysitting. Free babysitting <laughs> is is <laughs> is uh Quite a compelling uh, feature when yeah. it comes to states. To li- well, that's honestly how we made our way back here. It's like I ain't gonna lie. We were on our way. I think I've told this story before. We were on our way to Colorado because I had a job opportunity. Um, so little little backstory. When I was in college, I went to school for advertising and marketing, and like was most things that I get into, I get like way into them or whatever. And so I was reading like all these ad books and stuff like that. And there was this guy named Alex Boguski who was kind of like the big creative like thought leader like in the space. Like he was doing all like the big, you know, all the really cool like Volkswagen ads and like subservient chicken. Like cool Volkswagen ads. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, like you know, when you advertise, <laughs> no, it's it, like yeah. they were they had a lot of creative like liberties and freedoms that they yeah. would be able to do cool cool stuff. They did the subservient chicken like Burger King ad, and they did like the whole King like that was their idea. Like, oh, that, cool. So they were doing like they were doing interesting creative stuff, and then outside of that like the nerd side like the data side that they were doing really cool like digital stuff before like digital was really um easier to implement you know yeah it used to be a lot harder to execute those things and now it's it's much easier long story short i wanted to go work for that agency in the worst way because it was in boulder i snowboarded you know what i mean it was like it's a cool spot you know uh you know very uh 
very outdoorsy and stuff like that. Yeah. You know, hunting would be great, like in the general area, like yep. area in Colorado. So it's like anything outdoors I wanted to do, I could do. Yeah. And I was going, I was looking for job slash internship and I had a connection with our, our uh, Crispin Porter and Bogusky in Boulder that someone went through, who went through my same ad program. And so my professor like hooked me up with this person. Her name is Emily Smeraldo. I've never met her face to face. She actually Shout lives out in, to Emily. Yeah. She actually lives in Philly, oddly enough. Like, oh, okay. we, yeah, we've never run into each other. Um, and she was a copywriter there. And so she hooked me up with her and I, and she was like, you know, you're interested in, in coming out and work. I was like, yeah, I'd love to. And so it's a really hard place to get an internship slash job. Cause the way those, a lot of places work is like, especially big places like that. They do a lot of like really heavy talent acquisition where they kind of bring in a group of people and they give you a job and they don't pay you a whole lot, but they basically run you through the ringer and like as an internship. And then if you kind of, you know, cut the mustard, so to speak, then yeah. like it's very likely that, that you'll get a job at the end of your, at the end of your time or whatever. Not all agencies are like that, but that one was like that. Did an interview. It was great. I was getting the, the opportunity to go out and do the internship, get paid and then have a job opportunity waiting at the end. And then I had an offer in Philly and we ended up staying in Pennsylvania because my wife and I were apart for like six months whenever she moved up here because we were getting ready to sell our house in Orlando and we knew we were going to move and I didn't want them like, cause we just had our daughter. And so I didn't want those two being in Orlando by themselves with no family. If I got an opportunity somewhere and had to leave for six months yeah. or whatever, so we'd already been apart for like however long. So at that point, whenever I got the opportunity in Philly, I was like, I think we should just be closer to family. I was like, I think it'll yep. make the transition easier than moving like halfway across the country again, like with a two year old, probably not the best idea. No. Yeah. So I gave up like my like goal job, you know, for my career or whatever, and then moved to Philadelphia instead and been happy about it ever since. Yeah. No, I'm I'm happy in Pennsylvania. It was the same thing. We mine was with a hint of sarcasm. But oh, I'm just okay. kidding. no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm happy too. We were we got married and lived in Seattle for a year, and then we always said if we started having kids, we would be closer to her family. There's a special connection, mom and daughter yeah. kind of deal. So yeah, but it's been awesome. Yeah, the only time I don't like it is in the summer. Mm-hmm. Summer is my favorite time of year to relax and hang is the humidity is out of control. It's like, crazy. Yeah. People that don't live. I didn't know. I did not understand it. Like people came for my wedding. I got married in July and it was like 85 degrees and like a hundred and bazillion percent humidity. People yeah. were, so, it was, I felt so bad <laughs> for my grandma. She was like, I was like, you're going to come to my wedding and die. Right. It's <laughs> like, we're going to have a wedding and a funeral. Yeah. All at the same time. They're like, great. but the lightning bugs in the summer are beautiful. I'm like, who cares? I'm dying right. here. <laughs> I know, man. I'm like, I'll trade the lightning bugs. It's cool for a little bit of de- That's the funny thing, man. People don't think of Pennsylvania as being like hot and humid, man. But during the summer, it gets yeah, it gets gnarly. Now, me living in Orlando for as long as I did, like it's nothing like nothing yeah. like that. That's like ridiculous. But you know, it's uh, I've been back long enough now that I have an appreciation again for the humidity that we have yeah. that we have here. I remember when I first moved back, I was like, man, you guys don't know humidity. Like, you kidding <laughs> me? It's like whatever. It's like I wake up at seven o'clock in the morning. And it's already like. 88 degrees with like 95% yeah. humidity. It feels like you're swimming to your car in the morning. Yep. Like, you know, no, I always joke, but in all seriousness, <clears throat> when I scout in the summer, I will take my lawn chair and I wear my bathing suit and I have two thermocells and a think big jug of iced tea and I'll sit in glass because it's like a hundred degrees <laughs> and there's a thousand <laughs> bugs and people drive by and they're like, 
what is that dude doing? Because I got thermocells smoking up on either side of me. Right. I got this big thing of iced tea, and I'm in like, my swimsuit. That dude doesn't use a thermocell. He's got weed in that. <laughs> they're, like. they're like, what? I had people stop, and because I a lot of urban properties, so there's a couple high points where you can see neighboring properties. Right. And people are like, you okay? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. I'm just, you know, looking at deer. They're like, uh, Okay. Those are probably the same neighbors that watch you continually stuff dead deer in the back of the, your trunk of your car <laughs> yeah. now that you finally got a truck. Yeah. You won't have to do that. Yeah. Yep. I just got a truck a couple days ago. It's like, ever since I was like four years old, I wanted a red truck to be specific in Silverado because my dad had one. And so I, I did the car game for a long time and it's the first automatic I've owned. Myself for, for probably ten years. You're gonna, all, you're gonna love it. I've always had manuals, and I've driven it for the past couple of days. And I was like, I keep reaching for the clutch to shift, yeah. <laughs> but I'm like looking for stuff to throw in the bed of my truck. I'm like, what can I put in here? Yeah, you just want to haul stuff know. now. You know, it's like I remember because I used to drive automatics, or I'm sorry, I used to drive manual vehicles like for most of my life. And then when I finally got a truck and got an automatic it was like i was like why didn't i do this like so much earlier like i hate shifting gears yeah know? and what really cured me of that was like living and working in cities oh yeah you know, like, no good even when i when we were in orlando it was like you know had a you know a manual vehicle or whatever it's like you're driving in i4 traffic or whatever and then when we moved up here i still had a manual and i was working in, in the city and stuff like that and it's just like I was like, man, I felt like my left leg looked like a kicker's leg. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Just like all hulked out from all the shifting or whatever. But And it's embarrassing when you, you shoot a deer. And um, a lot of the places I hunt, like I go up and I'm like, hey, I shot a deer. You know, I'm heading back to my car and they're like, oh, just drive your car back there. You know, whether it's like a big, huge grass field or like someone's back lawn that I can drive. And I have to tell them, I can't, I can't take my car back there. I'll get stuck. <laughs> and um, they're like. Where, where are you going to put the deer? I'm like, oh, in the trunk. Like, where all the deer go. Yeah, like it's where hunting season, I don't have anything in my trunk because I just have a tarp and I stuff everything in my back seat because I got to be able to like quick, usually in urban areas, you got to get the deer out of sight like real fast. Yeah. Um, I've had more cops called That's while funny. hunting than any other thing because people are like, what's that guy in the woods in a head with a headlamp or what's that guy dragging through the woods at? 1 a.m., you know, if I, like, have yeah. to let the deer sit for a little bit. So you got to get your trunk open, get the deer in there, and get out. Yeah. And you always feel like a criminal. You're not breaking any laws, but you just, in neighborhoods where you can hunt. Right. It's always a little bit um, unnerving, like, I feel unnerving. like there's a, I feel like there's a good a good YouTube video in that that's, like, a spinoff of, like, a spoof on Pulp Fiction whenever he <laughs> shot Marvin in the face <laughs> in the car. And they had to call the wolf to come in. Oh, you man. know what I mean? And they put him in the trunk and they clean up the car and yeah. like whatever. I feel like there's a really good white tail like, you know, YouTube video there to be made. Yeah. The worst the worst was I shot I was at a hunting a property where the guy was like, Hey, if you kill two or three does, then you can hunt bucks. So I go in there, he goes, There's an old tree stand. So I he tells me kind of where this tree stand is. Like he's got about five acres and two hedgerows. So I go to the second hedgerow, there's no tree stand. I climb up the oak tree and I'm sitting in, on a branch in this oak tree, like 10 feet off the ground. And I kill a doe and um, she goes like 30 yards and dies. It was great. I turn around and there's two more like coming up the same path. So I shoot another one, two biggest does in my life, both dressed out over 120 pounds, like nice big, big does for our area. And then I'm like, do I have room in my trunk for two? <laughs> so 
So I <laughs> finally get him in there and I had to stop and get ice because it was early season. It was hot. Mm-hmm. And so I come back out to my car and there's people standing around my car. Well, there's like blood all over my bumper from like right. hauling the, you know, like hucking these deer <laughs> in my trunk. So there's like blood all over my bumper. It's dripping out and these people are standing there. There's like a husband and a wife and then another guy, like a construction worker. And I come up, I'm in my plain clothes at this point because I always change with two bags of ice. I was like, do you guys need something? They're like, what's all this blood? I'm like, uh, there's deer in there. <laughs> They're like, what? So I open it up and there's this, it was like a murder scene. There's like, it's something you, as a hunter, you don't always want to do, but they were like, I had to show them. Otherwise they were going to think I was a murderer. They, yeah. You're getting the cops called yeah, on I'm you. Like, and I it wasn't going to be like a pleasant cop show. No. Up, like someone calls like, Hey, there's some guy in the woods. And like, he's like, shows up and like, he recognizes what you're doing. Like yeah. as you're dragging something out, you know, he's like, oh, okay, this dude's hunting or whatever. Yeah. If you're at like the, like the seven yeah. eleven, you know, and you're there with like blood pouring out the back of your yeah. truck and like they call the cops, like he, and and you and you're in plain clothes. Yeah, they're coming with guns drawn. Yeah, exactly. You know? so, so shout out to all the guys out there who have a four door car that they hunt. I I understand the struggle is real. Right. I think the tally was twenty five deer in that car. That's amazing. Yeah. So that's you know, amazing. A couple times I had to call. You know, I borrowed trucks or something to get back into some places to get it or whatever. But that deer is twenty five deer. Yeah. In that trunk. Yep. That's amazing. Anyone? Any of them ever make it on the hood? No, no. See that? No. The only thing on my hood was a softball hit it once and dented my hood. Okay, that's the only thing that's that ever it. went on my hood. <laughs> so, dude, I just love that you had two deer crammed into that trunk and people were standing out watching the blood uh, just pour out of the back. Because we live in a hunting community, like yeah, for sure. For in our area, we have one of the highest concentrations of hunters, and so some people understand. But I didn't have a truck, so. I never, people never thought I was hunting, which is one of the reasons I loved having a car hunting urban areas because right. no one ever was like, oh, that guy's going to hunt or whatever. But in my situations with the blood and stuff, they don't think I'm hunting because I have a little commuter car. <laughs> right, right. So that is the one thing with like a truck. It's like when you park somewhere during hunting season, you know, if there are other hunters driving, right, they'll mm-hmm. take notice. Okay, there's a truck parked there. Even if they don't yep. know, like, even if they don't have stickers, like I take notice of it. Yeah. You know, it's like, I'll be driving somewhere and I'll think about like, you know, driving along and I'll, I'll look at a spot that maybe I've looked at on the map before yep. or just kind of glossed over on the map before and be like, oh man, there's a truck parked there. Yeah. You know, and then I'll immediately, I'll be like, I mean, I wonder what that guy knows. Yeah. You know I mean? I wonder why he's there. I you got a notebook I mean? in my truck, in my, well, I had it in my car. It's not in my truck right now where I would, all the urban areas I hunted, <clears throat> I would write down vehicles that I only saw like trucks I saw periodically. Right. Because then I would know like that guy's definitely hunting. Like sometimes when there's like a big cold front would come through, I would pull into like a area where I'd hunt and I'd notice like, Oh, that truck's there. This guy parked on the side of the road. And it gives me a good idea of like who's hunting where and whatnot. Right. Um, That's actually a good idea. So, and then on public, same thing. You three weeks before the season, you see guys parked and you're like, Oh, I didn't know you could hunt there. And then you look it up and you're like, Oh, it's public. Right. Oh, I'll go check it out. <laughs> right, right. Well, because, yeah, I mean, like, some people might say, it's like, well, you know, the other people are in there, right? It's like, well, mm-hmm. if you're hunting public, it's like, other people are in there anyway. Yeah. You know what I mean? So get over that. Yeah. With a quickness, you know? <laughs> yeah. um, and the other thing it tells you, too, is that, like, there's a reason there's a guy in there. Yeah. Right? And so just going through and checking it out is probably worth your while. The other part of it, too, is, is that, and, and you have this kind of ace in the hole for yourself. I'm using this a little bit more because... I have a little bit more flexibility with my job. 
but most of those dudes are probably just going on Saturdays. Yep. You know what I mean? And so if you can get out like during the week, yeah. those places are usually completely untouched like Monday yep. through Friday. You know, and it's like, unless there's a big cold front coming and yeah. stuff like that, which I think sometimes on public, I'd be curious your thoughts on this. Like, let me, let me preface it by saying this. I think what I'm, <clears throat> I'm not going to go as far as to say, like, I feel like this is what happens, but I feel like I'm going to probably pay attention to this more like going forward is that I almost feel in states where public land is really pressured. So for like example, PA, yeah. right now, granted there are some bigger chunks you can get away from people. I'm not saying yep. that you can't, but some of the pieces around where we live, like they're not very big, right? There's like the one spot you and I both hunted last year um, that I had that one really good deer on camera. It's like 60 acres. All yeah. in. There's the other, other part, you know, that's like down the road a little ways from it. That's like a total of like, you know, I think maybe 300 and like part of it's up on the mountain and part of yep. it's part of it's down low or maybe it's like 400 or whatever. But I mean, these parcels aren't huge. Yeah. You know what I mean? They don't hunt like huge tracts of public land. They hunt like someone's farm yep. that everyone else has access to. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. it's kind of how they hunt. And so, you know, I almost feel like everyone gets geeked out for those, those cold fronts and will take off work for those. Yep. Right. And I feel like, if you're hunting those pieces, you're almost shooting yourself in the foot if you're chasing cold fronts on those because those are prime times when everyone else is going to try to do the same thing. The best time is when it gets warm, the moon is in a bad phase. Like that's the best time to go into our public spots because nobody's in there and yep. you can be way more aggressive. Yep. Um, which I've noticed. Um, even the properties that I have to hunt that border public because I focus a lot on properties that surround public that are smart small parcel mm-hmm. of people that don't hunt and man on warm days i can access the public through their property and get pretty aggressive hoping that right. there's some movement you know especially right. pre-rut time or whatever when right deer bound to still be moving a little bit so right but yeah. just so people know like we have a good amount of public in our area but not so much that i don't know if i can tell the story clint and i both scouted a piece <laughs> separately. Yeah. We didn't know. I didn't know he scouted. I think I even mentioned this on like an upfront of a podcast where I was like, oh, but yeah, tell the story. Yeah. So I didn't know where he was scouting. And I went and scouted a piece that I kayaked into. And I was like, dude, I just found a water access because we've been talking about water access a lot. Oh, and uh, let me preface like Wilson and I share like uh, map points with each other. Like, yeah. He is literally, he, Greg, and like uh, Chad. Yeah. Are probably the only three in Pennsylvania, like Johnny Utah and I'm in Iowa. Yeah. But, you know, for the guys that I hunt with most regularly, like yeah. around here in or, or in Ohio. I share waypoints with like my father in law, yeah. Clint, and like two other guys. Right. Maybe. Right. Because if I find like a really good deer on a spot and I say, hey, I want to go after this deer, yeah. you know, it's like all I have to do is say something to you and you'll be like, yeah, 10 4, gotcha. Yeah. And, and vice versa. So you know I, I, mean? I paddle into this spot. I was really turkey scouting. And I'm like, oh, this is a good deer spot. So I start zooming around and putting some miles in, find this epic scrape line, right? And I drop some pins on it and whatever, um, find a good place to access on the, from the kayak. I'm talking to Clint and I go, man, I found this spot. I'm going to send you a pin. And he was like, dude, I just scouted that last weekend. So he sends me a picture of a scrape and I go, (laughs) and I respond with the exact same picture. We literally took the same picture of the same scrape because there was like this big branch laying across the front yep. side of it. You it was, you couldn't miss it. No, you couldn't miss yep. it. It was from the same spot. It was a fun, but that's kind of how 
What was that? And the rub. Yeah. You had the same, same had the picture of the same And I rub. said, I think I recognize that rub. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> that's how, like, I know there's other people that hunt like us. Yeah. And so like-minded guys like us notice those things. Yeah. And it was really fun to share that because I'm like, man, we really don't have a ton of public in our area if we're sharing pictures of the same scrape on right. a total of X amount of acres. Right. I mean, the one thing about that spot that I don't think, you know... Um, it's not accessible. <laughs> right. That's the one thing about it is that like, you know, yes, there are plenty of other folks that hunt like we like to hunt for sure. Yep. You know, less than like the whole gamut of guys, yeah. right? You know, it's a smaller sub subgroup or yep. subset. And then there's a smaller subset yet that are going to do water access and kayak yep. into places and stuff like that. Yeah. And, you know, so you're dealing with what I like to say is when I find places like that, if I know another guy is hunting it, I look at that and go like, you know, I don't know when he's going to be in here. I don't want to try to step on his hunt. So if I end up paddling in and I see someone's kayak there, I'm, yeah. I'm turning around or I'm going further down the, the yep. down the water to yeah. somewhere else or whatever. But what I can probably say with some decent confidence is that he's probably hunting it right. Yeah. And so if he's not there and he's maybe been there a week ago, it's not going to be a major impact on your hunt. Right. He's yeah. probably accessed it correctly. He probably hunted it on the right wind. Yep. He pro- you know what I mean? And stuff like that. And so those types of places, I look at pressure a little bit differently, you yeah. know, because you know, I try to, and I know you do too. It's like, I try to avoid places where you see any type of human sign. It's usually like my first, like I'm out of here. Mm-hmm. Unless I find a spot like that where I'm like, man, anyone who's going to get in here, like knows knows what they're doing. Yeah. And chances are they're not gonna booger it up. Yeah. You know what I mean? Those places I will go back and check. Yeah. Now if I see really fresh, you know, like like sign that a person has been there or whatever, yeah. then I may back out and be like, all right, well this probably isn't gonna isn't gonna work out yeah. for me or whatever. Or if I happen to go back and there's all of a sudden like four stands up. I'm yeah. like, okay, this dude's like setting up camp here and this yeah. is like he's gonna hunt every time he has free time. Yeah. He's gonna be here. Yeah. You know what I mean? So then it's like I might I might back out at that point. But and a positive note for public with knocking on doors is you don't always have to knock on doors to get permission, but information is almost yeah. as vital. Yeah. I went that piece and I knocked on a couple doors that surround Oh, this is a great story. Yeah, yeah. we got a little, I yeah. knocked on a couple doors that surround that piece and got information where I say, Hey, does that do you know about this hunting piece? You know, and they're like, you know, archery season doesn't get hunted at all, but Two weeks before gun season, guys are in there trying to get stands in, get set up. He said, uh, gun season gets hammered. And um, these are from guys who hunt on their own property, so they're not going to really yeah. BS me at all. And they're probably shooting me straight. Then I get, you know, get on and talk to another guy who hunts the edge of this property that we're looking at. And I don't, I would never share this much information with a random hunter, but right. he's like, come to my house. And so I was like, so I actually met him on the road. Come to my house. I'd like to make a skin suit. Out of <laughs> yeah. So I'm driving <laughs> to his house and I'm like, oh man, he's going to kill me. Right. And he's like, I want to show you some of the stuff I found in this area. He hunts, um, a little bit of archery with his crossbow and then gun season. And he hunts right on the edge, like walk in from the parking lot and hunt. And he lives across the street. He found this deadhead. That was like a 115-inch deadhead with a 10-inch drop tine. Yeah. And so, yeah, that deer's dead, obviously, so we can't hunt it. And then he shows me a couple, like, 50-inch sheds mm-hmm. from, like, two-year-old, three-year-old bucks that he's found yeah. right in that area. And that intel alone is better than getting permission to hunt on his property. Yeah. Because now I know, 
okay, there's this buck's in there, this buck's in there. I don't have a camera, but now I already know three different yeah. bucks. Well, what we did was like, because you called me right after that. Yeah. You were like, dude, I just got a bunch of intel about that piece. Yep. You know, and I was like, sweet. And so you showed me the picture of the dead yeah. head and stuff like that. And we talked about the sheds a little bit. Mm-hmm. And there was a spot that I had went in where it was like the water access point. Because there's two sides of this piece, yep. right? There's yeah. like the one side where we found all the scrapes. And then there's this, there's this other side where, you know, um, where that deadhead was found. Yeah. And then I found just a hammer rub. And I was telling you about that hammer rub yep. that I found. And I was like, all right, well, the puzzle pieces are starting to fit together now. Yeah. Because, look, you know, 115-inch deer is not like the end-all, be-all. But if it's able to – if that – if that deer was a younger deer with 115 inches with like an eight inch, whatever drop yeah. tine or whatever, yeah. like that's a cool deer. Like yeah. I'm shooting that deer in Pennsylvania on public land all day, oh, you know, hundred percent. And, and that just says that like, okay, some decent sheds were found yep. or probably off of some young deer. There's yep. some decent sign in there. It says that maybe there's a, like one, like, you know, you know, King, you know, King of turd Island or whatever type yeah. of deer in there. You know, yeah. It's laying down like larger rubs and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So it says to us like, Hey, this is probably worth, a it's couple worth cameras and a couple putting hunts. time in. Yeah. So that's actually one of the places that I want to, well, that we're both going to kind of do it together. We're going to kind of yeah. get a boat and we're going to go put out some cameras. And, 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 and I always tell people, if you ask permission to hunt at a property, don't forget to ask if people hunt there. Because if you just get a no, like that is, it's okay. But then don't just turn around and walk away. My follow-up question is, do people, do you have somebody that hunts there? And then Often I'll even get their number where they're like, Oh, I have a guy who's hunted here for 10 years. And if I'm going to hunt next door, I'm like, Hey, can I get his number and, and talk with him? Cause then right. you're getting information. I don't even have to go on their property. Right. I get information from this guy. And then he goes, man, what? I hunt the back corner, but the trail is always on the next door over. Well, I'm going to that neighbor right. and knocking on their door. <laughs> right. You know, which just happened for Turkey season. I don't know if we're going to talk about Turkey season later, but same thing happened. Guys hunting this property. We're always seeing birds in the next door property. I knock on that door, get permission. Yeah. They go call this neighbor because you're, we're kind of close to his house. I call him. He's like hunt my property too. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, just from figuring out somebody hunts, I have access to two more spots. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think anytime you can get information, it's helpful. Like as you were talking, I was just thinking, I was like, you know, like you were saying earlier, right? There's, you know, if you, if we find sign that there's been people in some of these hard to access places like i was saying earlier you can probably look at it and go okay dude knows what he's doing like because yeah. right, i've walked up on a couple sets that were still hung in a tree mm-hmm. where i was like that's a good spot i was like that guy's that he knows what he's doing <laughs> he's i was like because there was like 10 other places that like someone who wasn't a, didn't have that spot dialed in yeah would have probably hung a set yep. right but the one spot where that stand was at that someone left there i was like mm, that's the killing spot yeah. you know what i mean and i've walked up on a couple of those and you're like all right, that guy knows what he's doing, right? Yeah. And a lot of times, like, for example, like we just said, like we have a very tight-knit group of folks that like we'll share pins with and stuff mm-hmm. like that, right? Um, those same guys, if you're not in that tight-knit group, like when you talk to them, like put it this way, if someone called me and it wasn't you, it wasn't Greg, it wasn't Chad, it wasn't yeah. John, you know, or Johnny Stewart or whatever, and said, hey, this piece that you're hunting, it was some random guy, right? Yeah. I don't know. He get, got my number from somewhere. It's like, hey, I'm hunting this piece, you know, or I'm, uh, I talked to Ned about hunting his property. He said, you hunt it, been hunting it for 10 years. You know, I'm not going to, you know, he said I couldn't hunt it, but gave me your phone number. I figured maybe we could just talk and, yeah. you know, I wanted to try to figure out if there's some decent deer around or whatever. You know, I'm going, 
I haven't seen anything in five years. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like end of call, you yeah. know? And that's like uh, the perspective of someone who's obsessive, compulsive, and neurotic about deer hunting. Yep. Right. The person who just wants to go out on the weekends and get his kicks probably is going to, they love talking to you about it. Yeah. And I'm you know not I mean? taking advantage of somebody. No. And, and I'm not being shady by, because you we're putting in hours and time and I don't want to just give that away. And, um, often I, I'll just say like, I can't tell you my secrets, man. Right. And, but some guys, they just want to talk like the guy I talked to. I talked to him today. He just wanted to talk hunting. Yeah. And then, and, and I, I hunt, and I'm willing to listen. I hunt a property yeah. over. And I think I talked about it in a podcast. The last one I did, I saw this mega deer there. Like, never saw him before. Never got him on camera. I saw him one time. And um, it was like a mainframe 11 with, like, some stuff sticking off. And I didn't even know how big he was because he just went cruising by with a doe. I'm talking to this guy who's 100 yards from there. And I'm like, yeah, you see any big deer? He goes, oh, this is 11 point. He's got, like, flyer off to one side and a sticker off. And I was like, a light bulb. I'm like, that's the same deer. And he's going – and. He goes, yeah, and I found one of his sheds, so he's still alive. And I'm like, perfect. Do you hunt archery season? No, no, just gun season. Well, sometimes I take my crossbow out, but typically it's just, I'm like, perfect. <laughs> Yahtzee. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, and that's the, and to your point, it's like you're not taking advantage of anybody. Like nope. some guys just want to talk honey. And the truth be told is that a lot of times, because that's a lot of like, you know, the guys that I, I, I hunt with or that I grew up hunting with back in camp or whatever, right? Like with my father-in-law and stuff like that. Like that's how those guys are, yeah. right? It's like they'll tell you exactly what they saw down to like a T. I was sitting at this tree. Yeah. I walked in this way. 100%. The wind was going this way. Well, they don't even get that far. Yeah. It's like they aren't even paying attention to the wind, but they'll tell you everything. You yeah. know what I mean? And if you shoot whatever, like they're like sweet. Like that's yeah. awesome. You know what I mean? And and they'll ask me, like, and this is just different. And I, I mentioned this on the upfront of the podcast because you know, I'll, I'll get your perspective on it. But the uh, upfront of the last podcast, the. Uh... At Midway USA, we know the AR 15 is one of the most popular rifles in modern American history. Known for its modularity and widespread use, it's often considered essential to any gun collection. The essential things you need to run an AR 15 are usually always in stock during shortages, things like magazines and 5.56 ammo. Whether you're looking to buy a new AR-15 or buy parts for your modern sporting rifle, log on and for just about everything for the outdoors, shop MidwayUSA.com. When they ask me, like my father-in-law asked me the one day, because there was this deer I was trying to kill and I kind of had his number and had a shot at him and I, you know. Was this that lucky deer? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And he was kind of watching him too because he was, you know, glassing because I don't live there. So he'd be glassing. And he'd call me while I was glassing, right? <laughs> and this is like years ago, probably like five years ago or whatever, three years ago or something like that. Cause I really only hunted that deer once and then that was and that was uh and that was it. Um and uh he's glassing the field and he'll call me and it was like, Oh, Lucky's out in that field. You know, and I'm like, Oh yeah, what's the wind doing? <laughs> and he'll he'll it's like, Oh, it's Supposed to be a, a southwest today. It's I'm going like, left to right. <laughs> well, he might have said left to right, and I knew which way north was. So it's like I figured out what what the wind direction was. It's like, what time did he come out? And he tells me. So now I'm like, okay, like, okay. So how far away is his bed? You know, from there, and I'm like, where exactly did he come out of? He's like, we well, you know that low spot in the field. I'm like, yeah. He's like, that's that's where I keep seeing him come out. I'm like, okay. I was like, the thermals are pulling there in the evening, so that's his spot. He's just checking the whole field. We're good. He's got the right wind for it. You know, and. We just kind of kept talking, and I started I started piecing it together, and that was literally the last piece of the puzzle that I needed to put a hunt on for that deer. Yeah, that's cool. And then 
And and so then whenever he was like, where do you think he's bed? And I was like, I, you just told me all the information. You tell me. Yeah. <laughs> and I wouldn't tell him where I thought he was bedded. And he was trying to, like, for months, he was trying to get me to tell him where I thought he was bedded. And I wouldn't tell him. Yeah. And, and, it, and he got pissed at me. But Yeah. it's Getting information is good. And for any of my friends that are listening to this, I don't tell anybody else the things that you tell me. Right. You know, like, yeah. because of how I, like... If you tell me you saw a big buck or you're hunting this big buck, I don't go. I don't tell anybody that because yeah. like I treat that like it's my intel. like it's my intel. Yeah, exactly. Because I'm not gonna go be like, oh, so and so who lives here said there's a monster here. You know, right. it's like, yeah, that's about it. The only thing you get frustrated as like when you shoot a deer, guys are like, where did you shoot that? I'm like, why does it's dead already? It doesn't matter. It does not matter. Yep. Like you cannot go and hunt him. Right. And the deer I killed two years ago. It was rough because when I was, again, I'm loading them in my car on the road, so I had to drag them all the way out to the road. Like, anybody else could have pulled their truck back onto this grass field that I was buying. But me and my friend are loading them in the car, and here comes this guy, pulls up, actually a police officer, who hunts the farm next door where the deer was bedded. And um, he's like, where'd you shoot that deer? I'm like, I'm obviously right here. I'm like, right here. He's like, well, I've been hunting that deer all year all year by as in like one or two times. Right. I was going to kill that deer. I'm like, well, I'm sorry. You know, he came onto this property and I've been watching this deer for three and a half years now. Right. And, um, I have trail cams and sheds of him. Like I was going to kill him at some point. Right. And now he has moved all his stands to the property line and <laughs> I didn't see a single deer there this year. I mean, no, right. I saw some does, but like all the bucks moved because they put their stands right in the middle of the bedding area. Because it was right. an area they didn't hunt. They were like, it's no good, right. which was good for me. So, but if I had gotten that deer out of there and they didn't see it. Still be a good spot. It would still be a good spot. So, yeah. yeah. Now that's what happens, man. It's like, I'm the same way. It's like, you know, I try not to tell anyone where, where you yeah. shoot something or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, but. I think it's part of the game. It's part of the chase that like we enjoy, like. Yeah. This information that we know that we've earned because we all have it, you know, even guys who just hunt on the weekends mm-hmm. have this information where they're like, they saw a big buck or they saw, found a rub mm-hmm. and you found that like, that's yours. Like you, sure. Other you people have price. Yeah. You, you own that information. Yeah. It's your intellectual property. So yeah. I think you got to take care of it, you know? Yeah. No, hundred percent. I mean, just don't be a jerk about it. Right. <laughs> you know? Right. Yeah. I Graciously mean, tell them to go move on. <laughs> right. <laughs> Why don't you kick bricks, pal? Yeah. Thanks um, for asking, but don't ever talk to me right. again. <laughs> but that's the one thing I think that I appreciate and like most about hunting mobile and hunting public is because I kind of assume that, you know, when I kill something or whatever, um, that that spot's kind of done. You yeah. Know I mean, and I won't say that it's done. That's probably the wrong way to say it. I think the, like probably the biggest, you know, transition or evolution for me in the past, like just call it two years or whatever. Yeah. Is because I, because I don't start with a, you know, I kind of start without a place in mind necessarily. Right. Where it's like when I'm walking in, it's like, I'm not really, I don't have a tree picked out per se. Yeah. Not very often do I, some of the places on public in Pennsylvania, I do just because they're smaller yeah, you gotta there's be, not a lot of trees. Not a lot of trees. You got to be very kind of like choiceful about where you're going to be because you're also trying to stay away from people, mm-hmm. you know, and stuff like that. So those instances, yeah, it's like I might be walking more to like a spot, and yeah. then if it looks good, I might hunt it. If it doesn't, then I'll kind of keep moving. Yeah. Um. So I guess like the past couple of years, it's like I've been less and less concerned with people knowing 
where I've killed something or where yep. I've hunted or whatever, because I like, I don't hunt a spot. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, I'm going to kind of like move my way through and I'll yep. set up where the sign's good. And if I don't see the sign, then I'm leaving. You yeah. know what I mean? It's like, I'm not going to spend a day hunting there. I might walk the entire time, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And then walk till dark and leave and never yeah. set up. You know, I've done that before where it's like, I've walked into a place for an evening hunt, got there at like noon, walked till five o'clock. Yep. It was dark, got my truck and went home and yeah. never, and never even set up. Or with 30 minutes of light left, I found, you know, I, there was a decent, like, you know, trail or something like it or a scrape that I found or whatever. And I was like, well, this is as good as I found. So I hunted it from the ground. Yeah. You know what I mean, like the last half hour or whatever. Yeah. But, and I appreciate, I think I appreciate this about you. Not, I think I know I appreciate it about you. It was like, you are respectful to other hunters out there. Yeah. I'm on some Facebook groups, you know, in our area where people are talking, you know, asking questions and talking about our local area hunting stuff. And the, the heat that people get during hunting season is ridiculous. Like, the shade people throw, you're like, well, guys will post on there. I got in three hours before light, set up. It was on the perfect trail, and another guy came in. Well, it's like you're hunting Saturday morning of the deer opener on yeah. a piece of public land, and you're 50 yards from your car. Yeah. Like, I don't think you have a card to play to be disrespectful to that other hunter. Right. You know, like, don't be that guy who flips out and is like, you ruined my hunt. The deer, like the respect that we need to have, I think needs to be upped, especially in our area. It's like there's yeah. public land. Other people are hunting it yep. and just understand that. And if you get frustrated by it, go farther back, you know, or go closer to the road because people walk right by it and some of the best spots are literally 10 feet off the parking lot. The one spot that you and I have both hunted where if I go back to it this year, which I probably will at some point, um, I will, I will hunt probably, 30 yards, 40 yep. yards off the, off the road. I, I'll look at my book and, and be just far enough off the road that I'm legal. Yeah. <laughs> Let's put 20, it that way, 25 right? feet or some 50 feet right. from your car. So, and that we both played that wrong. Cause uh, we both thought it was deeper in yeah. to that piece. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. It was so easy to access deeper in. Yeah. Everyone's walking right. It wasn't know. hard to get to the back end of that. No, you know, so, it, but man, I think we got to have, even I've been frustrated, especially in turkey season. There's more mm-hmm. There's more hunters this turkey season than I've ever seen in the woods. I would say the ever. pandemic has something to do with that because yep. people have free time. So. And just FYI, we're six feet apart. Yeah, I was actually going to say that earlier. Yeah. Like we're actually in my garage. Yep. Talking. The door is open, so they got to breeze. The door is open. Unfortunately, it's blown right at me. <laughs> you know, so, <laughs> like, but no, I mean, <clears throat> I've not had a chance to do a podcast in person yeah. like, for a while. And you and I have been hunting together. Yep. You know, we've gone turkey hunting together and stuff like that. So, it's you know you're like the one guy that I trust to hang out with like during the, pan- <laughs> during I'm clean. the pandemic yeah um but we are like you know spaced apart as we as yeah. we should be so we're but taking the precautions it, i will testify there's more hunters I've, than i've ever seen i mean the amount of guys especially on their facebook group guys are killing birds for the first time guys mm-hmm. are getting out turkey hunting and it's awesome to put a lot of pressure on the birds yeah first half of the season i've pretty much only hunted public um had a bunch of close encounters, bunch of birds. We had a cold snap, which really stunk. But man, I'm seeing guys all over the place. Yeah, plenty of opportunity to get frustrated. Yeah. Um, but also plenty of opportunity to make some new friends. You know, be like, oh, yeah. you're hunting here. How long? I haven't been hunting there very, very long. So most of these guys have been hunting there for their whole lives. And right. So, yeah. No, I'll agree. There's, there's been, there has been more, more folks out at least. I would I would agree. Like on social media, it seems like a lot of folks are going out. Yep. Right, free time. People yeah. are, aren't working right now. So what else are you going to do? I'm all I'm all for it. Yep. Um, whether 
is nicer now than it yeah, is during deer season, right? You a know, lot of turkeys are going to get killed this week. Yeah. So it's, you know, nice weather and stuff like that. So you can't, you can't fault them for wanting, wanting to get out. But I agree with you, man. It's like, if someone's like, look, they have just as much right to be in a spot as I do whenever yep. I get there. You know, the only time I've legitimately really gotten mad about it was whenever I got shot at this year. Yeah. You know, only, that is frustrating. Yeah. Only not because they were there. Right. But because like I flashed my light, they knew where I was at and they still shot in my direction. Yeah. Right. It's like, that's the, that's the part that made me mad. You yeah. Know I mean? That's a different level. Cause like you get into ethics, you get into safety. Yeah. You get into like, you could have like, you could have. I won't say kill me would have been a little far because it was far for a shotgun. You <laughs> yeah. know what I mean? But you could have, like, I could have lost an eye. Like, there's yeah. a number of bad things that could have yeah. happened, right? And it's just, more than anything, it's just irresponsible. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm like, and if you're going to be that irresponsible with a firearm, yep. like, then I don't feel you should have one. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I'm just going to be honest. Like, I'm all for the Second Amendment. I'm all. I'm also all for dumbasses not having <laughs> weapons. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, and so, that, Yeah, that's a whole different level. Like, the safety thing of, like... Um, you know, you get out there, you set up, you put your time in, and then some guy comes in and ruins your hunt. Okay, it's fine, it's public land, and then they shoot towards you, and you're like, um, this is war. Right. <laughs> it's like public man land means we both get to hunt it. Yeah. The other one does not get to shoot at the other. Yeah, my first right. experience hunting ever was in Washington. It was duck hunting. I, yeah, I did my hunter safety course. I was, I don't know, 19, 20 years old. I can't remember. No, I was married. So it's 22 or 23. Did hunter safety, went out duck hunting with my buddy. We both did it together. Set up, no decoys, no waders. We're standing in the water, and a duck lands in front of us. And we're like, do we shoot it? <laughs> or do we, would we scare it and then shoot it in the air? Well, someone had set up across this little, we were in like a floodplain, across in this um, grass, tall grass. He shoots at it, skips his shot across the water. We hit cover. I mean, we got a couple pellets on our coat. Like, I'm like, Hunting is so scary. Right. You know, I was like, <laughs> bad I first experience. This is literally war. I was right. like, so I get up, I'm like, hey, hey. And he's like, oh my goodness, I'm so sorry. So he left, you know, uh, with his tail tucked between his legs. And then I shot my first duck. So it was like, nice. It was a great and terrible day. Right. But I didn't know the, any better. I didn't know full... to be mad at him other than like, okay, maybe this is what hunting is like. Right. You know, I'm like, maybe <laughs> this, okay, maybe I need to get like, that's awesome. Uh, bulletproof vest or something and then i talked to a guy and they're like oh that's i mean there was probably we pulled in at 4 a.m and there's probably 10 trucks in the parking lot like there's a ton, right. there's probably 30 guys out on this piece you know it's right. huge right so yeah the uh the perils of of hunting public land yeah you know what i mean i mean honestly people in the midwest or like um the west where it's like hundreds of thousand acres are like I've never experienced that. <laughs> right, exactly. It's like, well, good for you. Yeah. <laughs> right? It's like... <laughs> Come to Pennsylvania. Right. It's like, I mean, being honest, man, it's like, you know, I, I like to turkey hunt. I always say this on the podcast. I tell you too. It's like, yeah. I'm a I'm a casual turkey hunter. Yeah. Right? It's like, I'm an opportunity turkey hunter. Yeah, where yeah. it's like, if I have time to go do it, I love getting out. It's yep. great. I have a good time. I don't get all broke up if I don't see birds. Yeah. If I don't get a bird, don't care. Yeah, I'm losing sleep. You're getting all the sleep. Yeah. Want. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't care. It's like, <laughs> you know, it's like, and then, you know, if I don't see a bird or if I don't hear birds in the morning, it's like, then I usually just start scouting for deer anyway. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, and I'm like, cool, whatever. The sun's like, been up for five minutes and you're like, I don't see any turkey, so I'm out. <laughs> yeah. I didn't hear a gobble. Take it easy. <laughs> deer scouting. Um, it's not far from the truth, yeah. actually. Um, but, you know, it, but I do enjoy, I, I do enjoy getting out, but for turkey hunting, 
I, I will be honest and say that I do shy away from public land. Yeah. Only because I've had some like iffy experiences. Yeah. You know, um, to where, you know, put it this way, my turkey hunting, like, in, is probably hampered by my unwillingness to like be aggressive and go after a bird for yeah. that, for that reason. Right. Because I've had some iffy experiences where I'm like, yeah. mm, you know what? Well, in Pennsylvania, it's tough because we have a no stalking law. Right. So like, you know, the videos you see of people reaping, reaping and, yeah, and all yeah, this yeah. stuff is illegal in Pennsylvania. And I yep. think that's good. Yep. But there's a difference between moving in on a bird and stalking a bird. Right. You know, so like if a bird is gobbling, I can pick my stuff up and walk a hundred yards and reset up. That's not illegal. And right. I think we get this confused. Like that's not stalking a bird. Yeah. I'm not trying to get up on like where he's strutting, like yeah. in, in that immediate vicinity. I'm yeah. just trying to get into a better position where I can call. Yeah. And, and guys on public, I have, we've only used a hen decoy because I don't yeah. want to run into that opportunity where every time I've been out, there is other guys out there Yep. and I'm making a turkey call and, okay, all turkeys sound different, so maybe he's moving in. I don't know why he's moving in on a hen. Right. You know, like, was he going to kill a hen? I don't know. Unless but I he thinks the hen is, is talking and the, yeah. the, tur- the gobbler's with him. You yeah, know? but I have a decoy that when we go or out to, like, her. Kansas or Minnesota or whatever I take, and it's got a real fan on it, and I actually fix, like, real wings on the side. From 75 yards, the thing looks Legit. like a real turkey. And when yep. I pull the string, the fan goes down, you know. It's, like, been beat, beat up a bunch, but... Yep. I don't use that here because it's it's not worth the risk for me. Right, right. You know, that's why I almost prefer going back to the family farm to turkey hunt. Yep. You know, because it's it's controlled. Yeah. You know what I mean? And again, because I don't care whether or not I kill a turkey. You yeah. Know what I mean, it's more for me. It's like, and I realized it was a realization that I had this past weekend because I used to go back there and hunt at least like some weekends with my father-in-law during, yeah. bow, during bow season or whatever. And then I'd always like, you know, I'd hunt public around here. And then I would take like a trip somewhere and hunt public or whatever, yeah. wherever I was going. But I would usually go back and hunt maybe like two Saturdays during the season with him or whatever. And I don't do that anymore just because it's like, I don't, um, you know, they're just, they're not super serious. They're not super into it. You know, yeah. they like to hunt and they like to get out and do it, but it's just, sometimes it's, you almost feel like a burden. That's well, that I couldn't put my finger on what it was. And he's not been real happy with me because I don't go down any longer. Cause I, I was also like taking care of the property too. Yeah. I was doing like, I was doing all the food plotting and mowing the fields yeah. and doing that stuff. And then I was like, ah, I ain't doing this anymore. Like it just takes up too much of my time. I'd rather spend that time scouting on public yeah. and figuring out public. And, uh, and so what dawned on me was, was that, it wasn't that I didn't like spending time with the guys, you know, in the camaraderie. Cause I do like that, but I can't enjoy it during archery season because I'm so neurotic and obsessed <laughs> with trying to hunt and kill a deer that I'm a miserable SOB to be around. Yeah. If you're not kind of looking at it the same way I am Yep. and they don't, Yeah. right. They're there to drink beer, play cards yeah. and have like, four or five days away from their wives yep. or whatever. Right. And I'm like, no, I'm trying to figure this out. I'm getting up early doing what I got to do. Yep. They're walking in at like first light. Cause they got too drunk the night before <laughs> then decide like at lunchtime, like for fall Turkey, I'll just go back to the, and get my shotgun and walk around the property and hunt Turkey the rest of the day. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, and so it's not conducive like to actually archery hunting, yeah. you know? And so I realized that like I was miserable 
And I was probably making them miserable by being yeah. a jerk and being short because I was just mad all the time. Yeah. So I just stopped going. Yeah. Well, what I realized in this last turkey hunt when I was there last weekend was like, I still love going back there and turkey hunting because I love walking into that one like alfalfa field in the morning, like as the sun's coming yeah, up. Yeah, that's cool. You know, as the sun's coming up, I'm already kind of in position. I'm watching the sun come up over the alfalfa field. There's a gang of birds there all the time. Like, I'm telling I, you, I got to go there. Kill dude, there all was of one. Them. There was one fall, um, in one sit during fall during archery season. I saw two flocks of like twenty to twenty five. Yeah, flying on me, and they were all living on the property. So there was like fifty birds. You know, let's of, go right now. Yeah, <laughs> I, I might do it. Um, and and that was what I realized this past weekend. And we had like. We had three gobblers off the roost, like making noise. Yeah. One was kind of far away. And I was actually with my buddy Tate, which you got to meet, yeah. meet him sometime. And he was down like in this creek bottom. And what had, Tate had told me was, is he was like, I've heard him every day that I've turkey hunted. And he's like, he's the, the, the cock of the walk around here. Yeah. And um, he will not move. He's like, he will get down. He'll gobble on the limb one time. Yep. He's like, he will get down. He will gobble three times on the ground. <laughs> and that's it. Those like, birds give me nightmares, man. He's like, and he will not make another noise. Um, and then we did have one that was willing to play some ball, and uh, we were just in the wrong spot. If yeah. we would have been where we were intending to go, probably would have shot a turkey. Yeah. Because he walked right by. So then we heard him. And again, this is the thing. It's like on public or on private ground, it's like, you know, I can get reset up without fear of like who was around the corner. Yeah. Right. And so there was another Turkey that ended up gobbling down over this ravine and he was just clearly responding to, you know, the Turkey that was in now in the field, who was the first one that we had heard. Right. So, you know, I, I looked at Tate and I was like, I think if we just move up this timber line, you know, a little further, we can probably close the distance on him and, yeah. and get in his comfort zone a little bit yep. and, and maybe get him to commit or whatever. Yeah. And so we did that. And at that point there was like a little rise and I could kind of see down into this rise. And I could see him down there strutting with a hen. Well, then she popped her head up and she saw us and game was over. The worst. You know, and then we had. It's like deer hunting. If a doe blows at you, you can kill her. Right. And then turkey season, you're like, you live. Yeah. <laughs> what well, was funny because they saw us, they they ran into the timber, didn't make a sound. And then Tate and I went to like back to the middle of the field. We were starting to walk back to the truck and we just, there's this huge tree in the middle of the field. It's a big walnut tree. It's why we call it the walnut tree field. And we're standing by sense. it just kind of talking. And all of a sudden. This hen comes flying out of the timber across the field to the other side, solo. <laughs> I was like, dude, he just lost his girlfriend. I was like, let's go over there and see if we can call him up out of the timber. So we go to start walking over and just stop. And I turned to my right and look. There he is. Oh, like, geez. He was down like he was down into the hollow. And I, I just I heard something walking. I was like, what is that? And I looked over and I couldn't see. Him. And then all of a sudden he was running up the other side of the hollow. And then that was game over from there, yeah. you know? So it was like, I saw him twice. I had a visual on him twice, just didn't play it right. You yeah. Know? And, uh, but it was in that moment where I was like, man, I like coming back here to Turkey hunt, yeah. you know? So what I talked to my father-in-law about was, I was like, I know I don't come back for archery hunting and, and gun season anymore. And I know that disappoints you because, you know, you'd, you'd like for one of your, family members to be the person who kind of carries on this tradition yeah. or whatever and, and so forth. I was like, but I was like, what if we did Turkey camp instead? I was like, where we come back here for the opener during Turkey season, I can enjoy it and don't have to be a, a jerk yeah. because I don't care. I mean, I might, if we 
play cards and drink too many beers the night before, if I don't get up and go turkey hunting, I don't care. Yeah, I'll be fine. I, I was like, I'm good. <laughs> I was like, we'll turkey hunt in the morning. I was like, we'll come down Friday. We'll play cards. We'll have some beers. We'll get up in the morning. I'll try to go shoot a turkey. Yeah. You know, Saturday, because you can only hunt till noon. Yep. I was like, and then at noon, we'll go into town and have lunch. Have yeah, that's lunch fun. together. I love I like, turkey camp. Man. Yeah, I was like, and then we'll head to the golf course and we'll play like play nine holes. Yeah. And hang out and make it a day, you know? And he was like, oh, that sounds pretty good. I don't think you have to twist my arm to do that. Turkey so, yeah, Deer camp's one thing. It's work, man. Yeah. Turkey camp, I'm bummed because this year, because of the pandemic stuff, we, we, had a, we always go up to New York, me and two of my best friends. Take the camper up there. You hunt till noon. Then you go fish or hop around and whatnot. And New York is open, but just because of the way things worked out with people going back to work, they work mm-hmm. in a book butcher shop and they're, they can't keep meat on the shelves down there. Cause everybody's just right. going and buying in bulk. And so they couldn't get any time off. And I was like, well, I'm not going to go by myself. And then I usually go a couple other places, but I haven't gone any, I mean, I went to Wyoming. Yeah. How and, was that um, Wyoming trip, man? It was awesome. It was on a whim. One of my longtime friends lives in Wyoming and he has going through some medical issues and he was like, man, I wish you could come out. And I was like, well, I'm working from home. I got time. I'll just come out. And I was going to drive out with a friend. I called him. I was like, Hey, do you want to go to Wyoming like tonight? I, re- I remember I talked to you, yeah. like, whatever night it was, it's just called yeah. Wednesday. You were over here picking up the, the, uh, arrow, the arrow saw. Yeah. It's getting the arrow saw from yeah. you. And I'm, we were just out in the, the driveway talking and you're like, I'm thinking of going to Wyoming to Turkey hunt. And I'm like, really? I'm like, that sounds cool. You're yeah. like, yeah. And then literally like the next day, like I text you. I'm like, hey, what are you doing? You're like, I'm in Wyoming. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah I literally, because that was a Wednesday and I left on a Thursday. I left that next night and he was like, I think I can go. And I'm like, sweet, because driving with two people is always great. Yeah. And then he, he was like, no, I can't do this last minute. Just I can't get out of here. So I looked at my wife. I'm like, I'm still going to go. It's 29 hours straight. I got there at 35. Which was pretty good. Yeah, because I stopped four times for gas. I didn't buy food anywhere. I didn't have any human contact the whole time, which was like great. I brought great my social uh, distancing. Yeah, I brought my um, jet boil. I made coffee. I don't. I don't like. Don't try this at home, folks. But like, <laughs> I had like um, a book on my passenger seat, and uh, I had my jet boil on my passenger seat, and I was making coffee while I was driving, and so then I put my my cup, my mug in between my legs and I have my, um, what's my little coffee thing I got? It's just like a little plunger. Like a press? Uh, yeah. What's it called? French press? No, it's oh. like plastic. You put the coffee in it. Aeropress? Yeah, Aeropress. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm like, I can't remember. I use it all the time. This was like, <laughs> this is like Pictionary. What was that yeah. game like where you draw the things or yeah. whatever, charades or yeah. something? I'm like, <laughs> two words, coffee, <laughs> Sounds like plastic. So I'm like, Pouring hot water into my groin, into my groin area <laughs> on the road, driving to my car, steering with my leg. But you know, when you're in the Midwest, you can see for like a thousand miles. Yeah. You know, you can see if there's a car coming in the next state. Yeah, you're there. like, I'm good for about an hour. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm making coffee. I made a. I would. I like stopped on the side of the road, made soup. Give you know. yourself a haircut. Yeah, give myself <laughs> a haircut. It was. It was great, man. It was an awesome trip. I, you know, I usually get. I'm usually good for about six to seven hours driving, and then I got to stop and take a nap. But I think because I didn't, because it was so on the whim, dude, I just pounded it out. Like I stopped for 30 minutes, closed my eyes, and I was like, woke up, and I'm like, man, I just keep driving. But there's nobody on the road. 
Yep. It was like apocalyptic. All the rest stops were shut down. I mean, basically from Pennsylvania to South Dakota. I think they opened up in South Dakota. But I was driving through Wisconsin, and it was um, like 75 degrees. And then I got into Minnesota. Like within two hours, there was like two inches of snow on the road. Jeez. And I'm driving my little front-wheel drive car. And I'm like, right. I can't see. I thought I was going <laughs> to die. Um, I called my dad, and I'm like, Dad, if I die, I'm in Minnesota. I'm, in- I'm not sure exactly where in Minnesota, but... Just find me. I'll share my location. I actually had my location shared with my wife so she could like check in, see where I was at, right. you know, make sure I wasn't dead. Pulled into Wyoming. Dude, it was awesome. My buddy has a ranch out there um, by um, the Bighorn Mountain Range mm-hmm. and um, or Bighorn Na- National Forest. I think that's what it is. I think that's what it is. I'll have to double check. Don't quote me. Anyways, it's beautiful. quoting you, dude. It's beautiful. You know, the, we... We drove around that day. He showed me the area. Next morning, we woke up. We went and got our... No, that, that night, we went and got our fishing license and our turkey tag and went to... Just started chasing birds on public. And they were... It's early. It's April. Right. And um, birds were in big flocks. And it's like mountainous area, which I've never hunted turkeys in. Right. And it was a whole different ball game. You're like trying to get in front of where they're going. You're not calling them in. And... Hmm. Um, That's interesting. Yeah, like... So are you glassing them up? Is that how you're kind of doing it? Yeah, like I, they're, they're gobbling, but you're just trying to walk the edges of these like creek bottoms and trying to find, trying to put eyes on the birds before they put eyes on you, which is very difficult. Right. And we got on, we're walking through the woods and we, I'm, I'm like looking down at my feet, you know, making sure I'm not crunching on any sticks or whatever. I look up and I see at 35 yards, there's this Tom strutting, this Miriam, just like full, just strut, just loving it. And I go, don't move. But there was like four hens and like five other birds with it. And so they just started, we didn't really scare them. They just started walking up this um, ravine between these two hills. And so we humped probably it was like a mile over this ridge around the backside of this mountain. And there was this little bowl at the top. Mm-hmm. And it was super windy, like 25 mile an hour winds, like very, very windy. And we're like, I bet they're just chilling in this little bowl. And I peek my head over. And they're 25, 30 yards. And uh, there I missed my first turkey ever. Yeah. And I, didn't kill him. I, I have a feather in my vest to prove did, it. Because I shot, like, a couple birds saw us and flew down. The, I mean, they can get away real fast when they're up on a hill because they just take a couple steps, spread their wings, and just coast. Right they're out, t- yeah. two miles away yeah. before you blink. But this one strutter strutting, he didn't see me. And as soon as he came out of strut, I pulled the trigger. But as soon as he came out of strut, he jumped to fly. And I I knew I didn't hit him. Like I hit part of his wing and a feather flew. And I wasn't shooting at him again at 60 yards, you know? Right, right. And I watched him land about a mile away and then just start <laughs> strutting again. <laughs> he was like, screw you, bud. Oh, yeah. I was like, dang. And That's the first turkey and, you've ever missed, huh? Well, I've missed a bird. I missed a bird in Minnesota and I missed a bird in Pennsylvania. But I killed them you know i shot it i got another opportunity to shoot like it was like boom i missed boom i killed him but here it was like boom you miss and then they're a mile away (laughs) right you know (laughs) but we fly fish for miles on these famous fly fishing creeks you know it's just that was an awesome trip brown trout and made tiger king jokes and made tiger king jokes yeah (laughs) nice did you see my buddy luke scheimer won the uh won the national turkey calling contest bha turkey calling contest i did not he was the Tiger King. 
Oh, that guy, you're from, you know that guy? That's the guy who go elk hunt with Montana. Yeah, oh, he's from my hometown. That guy cracks me up. Yeah. I'm like, he should win just because he's dressed like this dude. Yeah, yeah. I had a, a local PA guy, Galen, um, was in it. Yeah, and I saw him. I was, he, I think quality-wise, he was the best turkey caller I don't in know, that man. whole group, man. He, he's next level. Luke was doing, doing it with his hand, man. Like, Luke does it all, like, with his own mouth. Like, there's no call involved. I did not know that. Yeah. That's mad props to him. Yeah, so that's what I'm saying. Like he went, he went sans call. Um, well, he did at least for the regional one. I don't know about the final final one. I'm pretty sure he did it all mouth. He did all mouth calling like oh, his okay. own mouth or whatever. Anyways, but he's a savage though. Like you have to meet him sometime. Like I got to get back out to Montana and hunt with him again because he's just. First off, he's just he's crazy. I like him. Number like one, it. and two, he's just a savage. Like there's a picture of him. I think it was right when he moved out to Montana. And it was like the first, I, I don't want to put words in the mouth. I think it was like the first elk he shot or maybe it wasn't, you know okay. what I mean? I don't really remember, but it wasn't a, it wasn't a big elk. It was a, it was, it was a cow okay. you know, and it wasn't like huge, but still like there's a picture of him. He cut its legs off at like the, the knees or whatever and, you know, gutted it or whatever, probably like more like a deer or whatever. Yeah. If, I'm, if I'm not, if I'm remembering the picture correctly. And he had it over his shoulders behind his neck, walking through the stream, like carrying it out. Yes, like, I love it. <laughs> he's just, dude, he's a savage. Like, that's just, we, when I was out hunting with him. Sounds like, like me a little bit. Like, yeah, whatever. totally. I carry a turkey over like one shoulder. Yeah. <laughs> he, uh, but he's cut like from marble. Like, the dude is just like, he looks like he should be in like some type of like Mr. Olympic, like Olympian like competitions or whatever. Like, that's awesome. it's just like, he's a freak. But, like, when we would go to the mountains to hunt, like, I would have, like, a whole bladder full of water, like, a backpack, like, GPS. We would get there. He would slam, like, a 12-ounce bottle of water and grab his bone. Like, let's go, boys! I'm good for six days. <laughs> and, he, and we would get It would be, like, you know, whatever, like, 3 o'clock in the morning, we're starting to hike in or whatever. Yeah. It's like, we wouldn't get back to the truck till like, 8 or whatever. He wouldn't eat anything. Oh, man. wouldn't drink any water. And we would do, like, 10, 12 miles, whatever. No, he just... That's just how he is. It's, he's he's a savage. Yeah, I almost didn't come home from Wyoming. I called my wife and I was like, "I was. Do you have you the not. ability to pack all of our stuff <laughs> and just come out and, here and um, hook the trailer up, hook our camper up to the jeep, and get the kids and just come on out? You know, Wyoming is like you have Idaho, you've got Colorado, you've got Arizona, you got Utah. I mean, you're like a, a day's drive." an easy drive away from all these unreal places to hunt. Mm -hmm. And the area we're at, this, the town is growing. It's just, just, I mean, they got a Walmart. Right. So, oh wait, I actually don't even know if they have Walmart. I take it back. I think they have a Costco. They got a big store, a big box store. They got one big box store. You know, but like, it's just, it's what you love about a small town. Like, it's like, here's your town. It's very community based. So like people are friendly and help each other out. And like, Hey, my fence is down, or I'm going to bring my stuff over and help you out. Or, hey, my tractor broke down. Hey, dude, I got to track, borrow my tractor for the day or whatever. Like, very community based, which I love. And um, the weather, you got four seasons. You got elk. I mean, my buddy killed a giant elk in his backyard, you know, nice. and turkeys and more deer than I have ever seen, more whitetail than I've ever seen. Right. Because you get one tag there, it's mule deer or a whitetail. And so people go, to like the Badlands area and hunt mule deer and whitetail kind of get like, like second best yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Well, and I'm thing. like, holy cow, I could kill so, so I'm many like, critters. there is so many deer here. And he, by the end of the trip, I was there for like seven days. I was like, 
I, I, I was like not impressed with deer anymore. I'm like, right. yeah, whatever. There's 50 deer in that field. I don't care. Right. Two things. One, now that I'm thinking about it, my buddy Luke was probably carrying out a mule deer on his back. Okay. That makes more sense. Still cool. Still cool. <laughs> right. Still baller. Right. Um, two, that's the cool thing. Like that's what intrigues me about heading out West to, to hunt. Cause I had an opportunity to pick a hunt, to go hunt somewhere cool this year or whatever. Um, and I was thinking about going out like further West or whatever. Yeah. Um, going to Missouri, which is going to be a killer hunt. You know, the reason I picked Missouri is because it was a little, it was a little closer and I knew I wanted to string like Missouri and Ohio together. And yep. so I didn't want to like be all the way out in like, you know, Wyoming or yeah. Montana, if I could draw a tag. Cause now apparently like you can't even draw a deer tag. Like it seems like, like you have to, like I heard, I think it was Mark Kenyon saying like he didn't draw again this year for his whitetail tag, which is kind of, which is kind of crazy. Um, Brutal. Yeah. So, but I want to go out to the Western States and, and hunt whitetails just because like what you're saying is like, they don't hunt them out there. Like, I mean, they, I'm sure they do, but it's not like. They get a bad rap. It's like, yeah. why would I want to, you know, it's like they well, have elk, elk and, and then mule deer, deer it's like, yeah. and antelope. And yeah. you're like, oh, I, I, I mean, the vibe I got out there was people with late season rifle hunt for, with landowner tags for like does mm-hmm. just to get, some, get meat. You yeah. know, which is awesome. Like they're just going out to kill does for meat, which I do here. And there's some hammer bucks out there, man. Oh like, yeah. I mean, I can't give you divulge too much information, but there's some huge deer out there. Like yeah. some of the sheds I saw from two guys, like that I we went fishing with this one guy all day, and I'm like, we're best friends. You know, right. I don't think he thinks the same of me, but right. I'm like, we are friends. <laughs> and um, I mean, they're finding mule or whitetail sheds that are probably would gross 160 170 and they're just giving them their dog to chew and i'm like what are you doing right (laughs) you know where i'm like putting that in a glass case and i'm putting it like i'm (laughs) putting led lights and i'm taking my family picture off the wall and i'm hanging it (laughs) and they're like just using them for door handles (laughs) right well it's like tim bunau moved out to montana and i mean he was hunting whitetails and and all that stuff but i mean he found some hammer whitetail sheds and he was on like a hammer like a hammer deer that would make anyone in the Midwest, well, I shouldn't say most people, most people in the Midwest go like, that's good deer. Like it was probably like in the 160s. Yeah. Right. So it probably wasn't quite Boone. Right. Yeah. But it was a hammer by all, by, by all accounts. Right. Yeah. I would be hard pressed in my circle of friends and some of my buddies have killed some really good deer. Yep. I'd be hard pressed in my circle of friends to find someone that would pass that deer. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think I have a friend that would pass that yep. deer, you know? Um, except for maybe Don Higgins, he would probably pass that here, but yeah. that guy's on another level. Yeah. Um, but yeah, man, it's like, I really want to, I would really like to get out West and, and do some, and do some whitetail hunting. That's gotta be on the, uh, the hardest part for me though, is if I'm going to drive that far, it's like, I'm going to elk hunt. Yep. That's the hardest part for me. It's like, if I'm going to yeah. put that much time in, you know, and, and traveling out there and like, you don't want to just go for a week necessarily yeah. to do something like that. You're like, you want to go for like two, Yeah. you know, I, I've, and I've said this on, pretty much every podcast I've ever been on with you is like, don't say no to opportunities if you can say yes. Yeah. hundred percent. You know, like I got a lot of people when I left for Wyoming that were like, you're leaving your wife for seven days in the middle of a pandemic. Well, what are you going to do about it? And, and they're like, someone said, um, what's the scope on that? Like the scope isn't, doesn't look good. And I said, well, it, and it may not look good because some guys may not have that opportunity and their wife might not let them leave. Right. But, you know, in this case, it's like I haven't seen my this friend in a, in a couple of years and he's going through a lot of hard stuff. Right. And I had the opportunity to go see him and I could have just as easily said no. 
because it's a long drive. Um, I got to pay for gas, which gas in the Midwest was a dollar fourteen. Right. So I'm like, okay, big skin off my back there. Right. But um, w- w- in life we have so many opportunities that we can say yes to, but yeah. for some reason we decide to say no because we just talk ourselves out of it. Going out west to hunt. Yep. Trying new states in Pennsylvania. We're an hour and a half from New Jersey, two hours from New York, two hours from Maryland, you know, or an hour and 40 minutes from Maryland, all great states to hunt in. Yep. And guys complain here. We have plenty of opportunities, yep. but you just got to say yes to it, yep. you know, because like there's so much adventure out there like to do. Yeah. Just go. If you're able, go do it. Right. You know? Yeah. I mean, I think that that's. And podcast. Do something cool. Do something cool. <laughs> The, uh, I think, you know, we were talking earlier about some of the hardships with, you know, hunting public land and stuff like that. And then those are all true. You know what I mean? But I think, you know, I don't want to make it sound like we were being totally negative about it. You know, I think what we were talking about was like our pieces around here typically be, are smaller and they present We're talking like a 20 mile radius. Right. You know, but what that means is, is that my opportunity is just to go out and find more spots, find more places. Right. Mm -hmm. And so that was really, you know what you know what i've spent a lot of time doing and i know you have too it's like you and i've basically been on every piece of public that's within a 30 minute drive yep. of our homes you know yeah. what i mean and i feel like we've done a pretty good job individually and, and collectively that we've kind of like all right if i'm going to hunt this piece over here it's probably just these two spots if yep. i want to hunt this piece over here it's probably this one spot yeah it's like and so we've kind of figured out like and when i say spot i don't mean like for me i don't mean like a tree i mean like a general area yep. right that i'll figure out during the season um but, you know, the other opportunity and to say yes is, like, you start to, like, take that circle and go outside of it. Because that's kind of what I've been wanting to do is, like, all right, mm-hmm. I feel like I have a pretty good beat on the stuff that's close. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, the stuff that's within a half hour. Yeah. What I'm not as familiar familiar with is the stuff that's, like, if I go out an hour out, yeah. right, in any in any direction. Not Jersey notwithstanding, because I'm still staying in PA, because usually my out-of-state hunts are in the Midwest. But, yeah. So I started looking at land, like, outside of that, right? and. I went out and scouted one piece and I might not hunt some of those this year, Yep. but it's more like starting to get some Intel for me for like the subsequent years. Yeah. That way I can start to kind of like, you know, cause those chunks are bigger. And so then you got a lot more room to roam. You have yep. a lot more room to be aggressive, you know, yeah. and stuff like that, which is why I got the, the trailer that I'm converting. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because then I can leave Friday night, set up camp yep. and then be close to where I want to hunt. That way I don't have to get up, you know, an hour, two hours earlier than I would normally have to. You know, and, yeah. and be right there and ready to roll. I was giving you a hard time because I'm like, you know, you can just buy a trailer. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, don't you work at like a marketing company and like <laughs> you can just buy a trailer. But I have a trailer. It's 26 feet. And I am so limited. Like if I go down like a public gravel road on a piece of property, I can't turn around. Yeah. You know, like, and some guys are listening. They're like, I could turn that trailer around. I'm like, like, I could turn it around in like a, <laughs> like a parking spot. Uh, I'm like, like in a Walmart parking lot, I could turn the, this thing around. But like, if you're on a single road, gravel road, which a lot of these places yeah. are, and there's no turnaround, there's just like a tiny parking lot. I don't have the freedom to just like, Oh, whip it around or like unhook it and move it. You know, it's like mm-hmm. 6,000 pounds. Like I'm pretty strong, yeah. but I'm not that strong. Right. And, um, to set my rig up, get it ready to go. is so much more involved in hooking up an enclosed trailer and hitting the road. Yeah. You know, like you, you're going to be so set up for those. Yeah. 
those those hunt, it's gonna be awesome. Yeah, and that's really why I got. Well, for one, I'm gonna take it to Missouri and Ohio this year because, like, you know, I know I've been doing travel hunting for like a couple years, right? Where I like to go out of state and and all that stuff, and you know, not I've been able to do it on like on the on the pretty cheap. I'll yeah. call it right. Um, and it just depends. Like it depends on where I'm going. Like last year, I kind of lucked out in Iowa. I had like a good situation where I got a cabin for like two weeks. I think I spent like 600, 650 bucks to have like a cabin for two weeks, yeah. which was like pretty cheap considering I was there for like 14 or 15 days. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that was a pretty good deal. But that being said, it's like, that's almost what I paid for my trailer. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like, and so my neighbor's got a trailer for for sale for a thousand bucks. It's the same as yours. Yeah. And it's like, and I'm going to do a little bit of work to it. I'm going to put a solar generator in it yep. for, for power. And I'm going to put like a ventless propane heating system in it yep. and like some collapsible bunk beds, you know, for me and you or me and Chad yep. or whomever's going to go to, yep. to hunt out of it. And it's not going to be the lap of luxury. You're going to do some insulating and stuff like that. So it can roll. But that was really the purpose. Cause I was like, I want to be able to go like next year, Chad and I are planning to go to Kansas. Yep. You know? Even when I was looking at Missouri for this year, I'm looking at Missouri going like, okay, there's these three pieces of public that I want to stay somewhere close to all three of them. That way I can hunt any of them. Yeah. Right. And this is really what like triggered like, cause I've been thinking about the trailer thing for a while. And this is really like what broke the camel's back. Cause I was like looking for places to stay. Poor camel. <clears throat> Poor camel. <laughs> He's glue now. Um, oh gosh. Yeah. <laughs> Just kidding. That's terrible. <laughs> That's right? so bad. But um, the, uh, I was looking for places to stay in and around these public pieces. And there was always like a place to stay, like in close proximity, proximity to like one of them. Yeah. Right. And all these pieces were like at a max, they were maybe an hour away from each other. And like, if you got the right location in the middle, you could probably be like 30 minutes from any of them. And I wasn't fun in anything like that. And I was like, I, when I travel to hunt, it's like, I hate spending time driving to the spot. I'm going to go hunt. Yeah. Like I'll drive and scout for hours and put miles on. Right. But when I'm driving to the actual piece, you're like, man, it's 30 minutes. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's not that, and it's not that terribly long, but no. it's like, that's just time that I'm not spending, especially on those travel hunts, man. It's like sleep is valuable. Yeah, man. Cause you're grinding, dude. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, when especially when you don't get back to the, to the camper till 11 or, or yeah. midnight, it's like you're yeah. gonna get three hours of sleep. Yeah. I mean, you're not getting a ton of sleep. And so for me, it's like, I'm trying to get as much sleep as I can because those trips aren't usually like three days or usually like seven to 15, seven to 16 days, yep. you know what I mean? And so you add up all that time where you're like, you know, burning it at both ends. It's like, you know, it starts to get to you after a while. Yeah. So anything I can do to get more rest, mm-hmm. you know, and, and better rest, you know, I'm going to try to do that because it'll just pay dividends for me in the long run. Yeah. So that was really whenever I, I was like, you know what? I really just need to get a trailer yep. and I need to convert it because I'm tired of trying to find like, the campsite yeah. or like the cabin that is like perfectly situated yep. where I want to be. Because if I'm there in the, in the two spots that I've kind of picked out and I'm freelance hunting them, cause I'm not going out to scout this year. Yeah. If they suck and I want to go to like the place that's two hours away, like, well, where am I staying? Yep. You know what I mean? I was like, well now it doesn't matter. Now I just pick up and go and I'll park wherever, you know what I mean? As long yeah. as I'm legally parked, right. I'm yeah. not going to go park and camp somewhere where you're not allowed, but yeah. If I can find like a campground close by that I can just pull my trailer into and sleep, then that's where I'll be. And a lot of these states, Pennsylvania, you can't do it, but some states, you can literally pull into like the the DNR lands or the like the public lands. Yep. And you can actually just like stay in the parking lot. Yeah. Like you can camp out there, you know. And so places like that, it's like I can literally just pull in where I'm planning to walk in in the morning. Yeah. Sleep, 
and be good to go, you know? Well, and, and, and that was and, really the reason for getting it. Yeah. I think there's guys listening right now. And I know I thought the same thing at, at one point. It's like, well, I would do more hunts. I just don't have a trailer. I don't ha- want to spend money on hotels. Watch the hunting public guys. Oh yeah. And you'll know like, okay, you don't need a lot. No, like, you don't. I, I have literally gone and hunted from my four door Chevy cruise, which if anyone knows about a Chevy cruise, they're tiny. Yep. And I've slept in the back seat. I had all my gear in the back. Like, I would literally pack, I packed my cooler with all my clothes so that if I shot a deer or a bear, you know, one house bear hunting, I would just take all my clothes out of the cooler and put the animal the in there. Yeah. But it's doable to hunt from even a tiny car. Totally. For short periods of time. Yeah. And, and I've done that with my truck where it's like anything I'm, over three days, you got it. It gets tough. Yeah. yeah. Like, I but it's agree. doable. Like, I encourage anybody. Go get a sleeping bag, get a cooler, get your weapon of choice, mm-hmm. and go stay in your car somewhere. Like it's totally doable. It's the benefit of for me of being small, right? Because I'm only like <laughs> five eight and a half or whatever, yeah. right? So it's like for me, if I lay down the back, if I pull the back seats up of my truck, I can pretty much lay long ways down across the back of my truck in a sleeping bag. Yeah. And so this weekend, whenever I went back home to turkey hunt the farm, I wasn't staying in the cabin because I live in the hot zone for like the whole virus thing or whatever. And my yeah. father in laws had cancer a couple times, and so. I didn't want them to feel like they had to go through and sanitize the whole yep. cabin because I stayed there or whatever. Yeah. So I just parked at the cabin. I slept in my truck. You know yeah. what I mean? And so you can totally truck camp. Weather was nice. Weather was nice. I've done it in like minus 10 degree weather in Ohio. I went out for like two days on my own after Thanksgiving. Like I just wanted to go back to hunt this like couple spots that I had a really good deer on camera that I'd been chasing during the rut that I didn't catch up to. I went out and stayed like two nights, you know, in my truck. I pulled into a KOA, bought a, campsite for like 10 bucks yeah. for two nights or whatever it was or 10 bucks a night or whatever it was KOAs. and at least had a spot to like had a shower had a bathroom or yep. whatever you know what i mean and just slept in the back of my truck for two nights you know what i mean yep. to your point it's like this longer you know um these longer trips it's like i need something that's a little bit more sustainable yep because i'll still do like if i'm going by myself out to that public an hour away from the house here on a friday night mm-hmm I'll probably just stay in the back of my truck. Yeah. You know what I mean? Cause it's just not worth hooking up and taking everything. If I'm just going to literally sleep for four hours, get up and then drive home the next night. Yeah. You know? It's a, it's a testament to you. Got, you don't got to spend a lot of money. No. You, you know, you don't have to get that expensive tent that goes on the top of your truck or my truck. Hat. I don't even like those because then I can't move because then I have to tear down everything to move. Yeah. Me. Supposedly they're easy to tear down, which I've seen a few that are, but they're, you know, you're talking two grand, you know, 1800 to two grand. My camper, my, conversion yeah is going to cost me way less than that yeah and be way more secure yeah and comfy and mobile. with heat yeah <laughs> with heat yeah but yeah i but i you don't have to spend a lot of money to do an out-of-state trip no you know i even thought about one point i was like i want to do a youtube video series where i take my car and i guarantee you like i'll bet you money right now i could hunt like let's just say i went Started in New York and went New York, Pennsylvania, New Jersey, Maryland. I could do a three-week trip and stay in people's houses that I've never met before. Oh, I'm the king of that. Like, I think I could knock, literally knock on doors and get, like, in couch surf. Oh, yeah. You know? Like, it's doable. There's a dude who does that. That's awesome. Yeah. I love I'll I'll tell you his name off off air because I don't know if he wants people knowing, like, exactly what he does. But the... uh, If you're friendly and approachable... You can, man. He's a killer too. He kills big deer. Yeah, I'm about yeah. to do it. I mean, I have a trailer and a home. 
But, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> I want to be dear. I want to be white toe homeless for a while just for fun. Yeah, my, if my wife's listening to this, I'm just kidding. I'm not going to do that. But, right. But the reality is, like, I, my truck has a the, the truck. Yeah, you're going to put a deck thing it. in the back and kind of set it up. Yeah, I, I yeah, I even yeah, I'm going to put a deck system in it um, that's got the drawers. But we'll be able to sleep in there. Like, if my wife and I want to go on a weekend trip where it's like we don't want to pull the, the bow wow. we don't want to pull the trailer or whatever, <laughs> man, we'll get in that. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> but um, it's it's you don't have to spend a lot of money to be to no. go on out of state trip. You have to. The the thing is, is you you either have to be crafty yourself, yep. right? Like in in, in handy, yep. right? And, and then you can do it on like the su- the super cheap. Yep. I'm not that. Like I yeah. can do enough. You know what I mean? Things like yeah. you know building things wise. Crafty ish. Yeah. To get me, <laughs> that's a good way to put it. Um, to get by. Um, but I, I'm not going to be able to frame out something and whatever. So yeah. like whatever I do has to be pretty DIY and like the bare mm-hmm. minimum of like getting something up and going. That's why for me, the trailer was the perfect thing. Cause I literally need a place to sleep. I need somehow to heat it and I need a way to have some power. Yep. And if I can do those three things and some insulation, so it stays yep. warm, right? If I can do those four things, I can, I can stay in it for weeks. You know what I mean? Have you researched wind power? I'm just kidding. Uh, no, <laughs> don't intend to. <laughs> what do you think? Maybe a little turbine on the top, like cranking as I'm driving as out driving, to wherever. Dude, yeah. it's charging something up on the inside. I'm yeah. sure that's some you engineer. Just it up to your alternator. I'm sure there's some engineer out there that's like, I'll get you a turbine. Right. It's like now I'm pulling like a wind turbine <laughs> behind me. It's like, and I'm getting two miles of the gallon for gas. So what I'm saving on charging, I'm that's spending, so funny. In, spending in gas. But man, what a... Let's turn to deer season now that we've been kind of dancing around it, talking about all these things. What uh, you know, what are you most looking forward to this deer season? Killing the state record. Going state record. Yeah. Going, no. Going out. No. Going out. Bundy. Yes. No. Um, I shot a buck last year, and I haven't talked about it at all because I'm sad about it still. But I shot a buck that never recovered, and um, I remember that it sucked. Yeah. It was. It was brutal. I mean. I spent days and days and came to the conclusion that he's still alive. I mean, I searched, knocked on doors and searched mile, two mile grid basically around that. We got dogs out there. Um, I shot him from 12 yards from the ground and made what I thought was like, an. I actually drew on him when I was 30 yards, but the way I was standing, I'm like, I can get closer. And he was moved into his like rut bed like in the middle of this doe hot zone where he could bed and see all sides of him and it was on a little hillside so like wind was perfect he could basically smell everything got in this little funnel where there's some down trees and literally over i think it was about 45 minutes or an hour literally walked right up to him you know he's bedded away from me checking the other out in front of him and um got to 25 or 30 yards drew and i was like i can get closer so i got to 12 yards and he was bedded down, quartered away, and um, I got down to my I drew. I got down to my knees, put my arrow on the last rib, and let it zip. Saw my arrow disappear. He ran off, um, and it was late. I had to get to a meeting. I checked. I found blood right away, but the as I'm watching him run, he looked totally fine. <laughs> so I'm like, you know what? It's the first cold front. It was 30 degrees that night. I'm like, I'm going to leave him, which I don't leave deer. Like if anybody knows me, like 
if I have to go out at 2 a.m. to go find the deer, I'll go out at 2 a.m. You know, if like I know I hit the in the liver, mm-hmm. I'll give it four hours and go back out. Like I'm not, I don't ever sleep on it. Right. But this time, like this was one of the, this was the biggest buck I've ever shot. And um, so with some other people telling me like, okay, we left him overnight, got there at sunrise, got on blood instantly, followed blood for almost 400 yards. He'd never bed down um, and got, found my arrow. There was only blood on the back half of the arrow. It was the weirdest thing. There was like mm-hmm. no blood on the front half and came to the conclusion that my arrow didn't penetrate the rib cage. It went on the outside. He was quartered a little bit more than I thought. Mm-hmm. And my arrow hit that rib, that rib bone and just went on the outside of the ribs. And it was just superficial blood mm-hmm. and, um, followed tracks for another hundred yards and, that was the end story of him. So this season, I'm really, really looking forward to um, killing that deer. So I don't know. I mean, I had cameras out and never got him on camera. But um, we saw him a lot before I shot him. And mm-hmm. he's kind of like a home area deer. So I'm interested to see if he made it through. A, I didn't find any sheds or I have no proof of life in, in a sense. So I'm hoping he's still alive. But we're going to But he it. was active like during the summer and early fall like yep. on camera and stuff? <clears throat> yeah. So you'll get a good idea. Yeah. And um, he's got some very noticeable characteristics. Like he's not, like he's not super heavy, and he doesn't have anything very like. You look at him; he's just ultra wide. Right. You know, he's kind of one of those bucks that comes straight out from his head. He's not super heavy, but tines are straight up and even. And I'm um, looking forward to just chasing that deer. Um, but I picked up a couple other small parcel properties um, next to some really hot spots, and so I'm really looking forward to putting time in the summer with cameras and just, and scouting and, and picking a few properties to focus on this year. Last year I was here, there and everywhere. Yeah. Um, because I hunt small parcels, we have the opportunity to hunt a bunch of properties. So people are, you know, I'll talk to landowners and they're like, Oh, I had a buck in my backyard last night rubbing on this apple tree or whatever. Right. And then I would bounce over there and then I would bounce. And I was really just going off of information I've gathered from people. I had a few bucks I was chasing but then when I shot my buck and I didn't find him, I hunted that spot pretty much religiously to the end of the year. Right. But I'm looking forward to putting my focus more on a few spots than my yeah. horizon being too large. Right. Yeah, I think we, I think it was you and I that talked about that a little bit because I said, you know, again, going back to like expanding my radius of like public that I'm, mm-hmm. you know, familiar with and getting out to some places that are a little further away from the house and stuff. Um I think I'd mentioned to you, like my concern is like this year at least that I have already have enough spots or a lot of spots yeah. that I haven't even hunted ever yet. Yeah. You know, it's a mean? great problem to have. <laughs> right. It's like I got, but my big concern is, is that I'm just looking to make sure the dog's still here. Cause I just watched a cat walk across my driveway. We're in our, we're in my garage and I was like, man, if the dog sees that, it's going to be <laughs> going to get crazy. Game over. Um, but I was trying to like, I don't want to say limit, but like needing to be conscious of like how many spots I have and realistically how many am I going to get to because I'm literally going to be here till like the end of October and then that's it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Now, granted, we get an extra week this year, you know, on the backside of the rut. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's actually really exciting. Yeah, which I'm really stoked about that because, you know – Every year I leave to go hunt and then I come back and like it's basically yeah, like you can't hunt anymore. Dunzo, you know, until after like gun season or whatever, and then it's you know, crapshoot completely. Yeah. Um 
but I'm super stoked to have that, like, because that's actually, like, the best week. Yeah. Like, that's, like, I mean. Here, at least, like. Yeah, yeah. I mean, all the time, like, I remember, you're like, well, just watching cameras here, and then even when back at the family farm or whatever, I just always remember, like, whenever I would hunt the rut there, I would go back and, like, look at cameras, like, around the 16th, 17th, 18th, and it's just, like, going like bonkers yeah like every big deer that i had on camera in the summer came back you know what i mean it was yep. just like and i was always like man we never get to hunt the best part of the rut yeah it's always like a week early that yep. we're like that we have to stop and then when we get to go back in the woods it's with the orange army yeah and then it's like it's a crap shoot at that yeah. point you know so you know so for me i think i'm looking forward to a couple things one i think i'm really looking forward well there's a couple things man i can even like bring it more forward than that. Like I'm looking forward to like you and I going out with those water access places and hanging yeah. some cameras. Like I'm yeah. really stoked to see what's in those places. Yep. Cause I think they're, I think both of our spidey senses tell us like it's pretty undisturbed Yeah. for Pennsylvania public land for this area, for man, this area, to find you know a mean? spot like we found is, yeah, I'm, I'm very optimistic about it. Yeah. Um, so I'm looking forward to getting in there with some cameras and then my goal this year, and not that we're doing goals, but, you know, one of my goals just long term is like I want to start to try to kill bucks consistently in in October. Um, yeah. That's like a thing that I would like to try to do. And I feel like the one spot with that cat kayak axis, I feel like you could kill if there's a good deer in there. I feel like the one spot, if there's a good deer in that one spot, you could kill him in the f- like last two weeks of September, first week of October. Yeah. You know what I mean? So that's that I think is something that I'm looking forward to because I just have this feeling about that place. And there's a couple other places I have that I've earmarked around here that I need to get into and scout once the season comes in and freelance my way through and see what's see what's doing because I think there's a couple good setups yeah. that are that are possible in there. And then hunt from the ground would be cool. But I'm of course looking forward to my trip to Missouri. Yeah. That's gonna be dope. I've never been there, never hunted there. Yep. I know like what public chunks I'm gonna go to, but I don't really know how I'm gonna do it. But they I, I, are we going there at all this summer? Are we gonna visit? You know, no, sweet. I'm just going in completely blind. I like I'm just gonna trust my <laughs> trust my my spidey senses and yeah. and just you know, like make a go of it, um, which will be cool. Now the pieces I've kind of earmarked and looked at. You know, we won't dive too deep into this because we'll do another podcast on that at some point. But they all have water, like they all have rivers, like running through them and stuff like that. So. And I strategically picked those because I wanted to have pieces that the water cut off part of the public like, yeah, yeah, from yeah. the other side. Yep. Right. To where it's like, it's clear that like people are going to be able to easy, most easily access this part of it. This part of it's going to be hard. Yep. You know what I mean? And so I made, I did that purposefully knowing that like, that's probably where I'm going to look and prioritize or yeah. like, that's where I'll start at least probably. And then, and then, you know, Ohio, it's going to be cool. Yeah. You know, got some, Got some very, very Chad large said deer. I could come there. I mean, last time I saw Chad, he was like, yeah, you should come on out. So I took that as like truth. I'm like, man, you, you don't, you just invited me. You don't really know Dude. that, but man, you, Chad, if you're listening to this, you did invite me. So <laughs> if I show up. Chad is a man of his word. Like I'll show up. I got my bow in my hand and but I'll be you know, like, you let's know our, go. You know our rule, right? Chad and I have a rule. Like the new guy in camp is, does all the cooking. That's fine, man. I, they're, cook, they're, they're, I, they're I can the use female, a microwave. They're the female dog of the camp. <laughs> like, <laughs> just put it that way. You know, or the other rule we have is if you make us late to the timber for some reason. Oh, you, I'm never late, dude. You know, I'm, no, I, know I, don't. I know you're not. But, but my buddy Tate, we made up that rule because we all went out scouting one year. And that rule became, we should just call it the Tate rule. Because 
like the road was ungraded and they had like a bunch of snow and like it was just like super hard and like choppy. Yeah. He's driving and his truck was like bouncing and he couldn't like he was trying to slow down but he didn't want to jam the brakes and then as he was turning his wheel like the car wasn't turning it was going for the ditch and he put it in the ditch and then spent like two hours trying to get the they left me sitting down at the end of the road like because they said we're gonna drive up here we'll turn around you know? <laughs> you're like what are they I'm doing? like two miles away from them I'm like what is going on I sat there for like two hours I'm like <laughs> at least you didn't have to dig out a truck or whatever. yeah but they had to dig Tate's truck out and so that was when the rules started where it was like all right if, if whoever we're with for any reason makes us late to the timber for hunting or scouting. They are now the camp bitch, like <laughs> for the whole trip. Yeah, so that was that's the that's the Tate rule. But I'm I'm excited this year. I didn't shoot enough deer this last year. I mean, I know, man. You put a lot of deer down, and you, well, I think partially because I remember whenever you missed that deer, yeah. and that was that knocked your stuff in the dirt, man. You know yeah. I mean? Oh man, like, it's if any, I, my I've never that was the first buck that's ever happened to me. So man, I I get it now. I'm in the game. Like I know yeah. what it's like, but. My family typically eats like six to seven deer in the course of a year um, or more. And so like typically I'll shoot upwards of that many deer. Right. And this year I shot five does. I donated one doe because someone was like, oh, so-and-so wants a deer. And I'm like, oh, they can have this one because it's early season. And now right. I'm like, why did I give away that deer? Because <laughs> right. my wife is like, we don't have enough deer. And so actually in March I found – I got a part of the red tag program here in Pennsylvania and um, shot a deer mm-hmm. on a red tag with my bow, which was really weird shooting a deer in March. Like, right. You're like, I'm definitely breaking the law, but you're like, no, actually I'm not. And then loading a deer on your deer rack in behind March. your car. Like I was in my <laughs> wife's car, but she still doesn't have a trunk. So like I put it, I'm not putting a deer in my wife's car. There's, right, it's not allowed. Right, right, right. So I put it on the deer rack and I, I look at my rear view mirror. I'm a stop sign. This lady's taking a picture of me. And I'm like, she is taking a picture of the deer. And I'm like, ah, what is going on? <laughs> so I shot my wife's like, you got to go shoot a deer. So I find this red tag program, find a farmer. We know this guy that's got red tags. He's like, yeah, go shoot a doe. So I went out and shot a doe, butchered it up. But we're like not going to have enough deer meat for the first time in like four years. Right. And I'm not cool with that. I was like, this is not cool. Like it's not sustainable. I mean, it is sustainable because we can always go to the store and get meat, but we right. haven't in four plus years bought meat. Right. The only time I would ever buy meat was like if I was going to do smoke a brisket on the grill, you right, know, like right, right. for a special occasion, I would go out. That was the only time. Right. You know? Yeah. So I'm like, I got to shoot more does. And then another goal is like every year I try to get somebody their first deer. Right. And so like I've gotten my mom her first deer, my good buddy, his first deer. Um, another friend, I got their first deer um, because that's how I got into hunting. Somebody took me mm-hmm. and um, this last year, my sister-in-law got married for, to a dude in Seattle. Mm-hmm. They live out in Seattle. They came home for Christmas, and I'm like, let's get your deer. You know, so he went and got he, he got his mentored license in Pennsylvania. It was super cool. You can get a mentored hunting license. Took him to the spot where we typically take people for the first time. Doe came out 60 yards. He shot it. Nice. It died, and it, he it was he was so bored, like, for hours. I'm like... <laughs> He kept picking the gun up and like holding it and aiming at stuff, which was good. Finally, this doe comes out and there was like six or seven does. So it could be a little overwhelming. I'm like, just shoot that first one. Right. He shoots it and it drops. But because where the hill was, we couldn't see it. I knew he hit it. And he's like, did I get it? And I'm like, yeah, you got it. it the joy on a first time hunter's face is very exciting. Yeah. I got to help out the Quality Deer Management Association partnered with the Pennsylvania Game Commission. 
And I was one of the mentored hunters. We hunted for the first time ever in the city of Philadelphia. Yep. So they opened up the John Heinz Wildlife Refuge yep. to, um, they gave us a certain amount of tags and it was only by draw for mentored hunters. So people that had never hunted before under the mentored program could apply and then be paired with a person like me yep. to take them hunting in this wildlife refuge next to the airport. Like talk about crazy. Like we're hunting. The planes are taking off. Literally planes are taking off. I can see skyscrapers. Right. And we killed a bunch of deer. We got first time hunters killing deer and these deer did not know what was going on. They're like, what is happening? <laughs> deer are dying. <laughs> and like, it is, um, there was like protesters out in front, like Jeez. saying we, why we should be able to walk our dogs. Like don't kill the animals. But the sure. big shout out, the, the quality of your management association did a really good job. Um, the press on it was really, really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they actually did a nice, uh, I think it was the Inquirer, that they actually did a really nice write-up mm-hmm. of it, which was cool. Yep. Because, you know, for anyone who, well, we probably don't have to live here and know that, know this, but like, you know, Philadelphia obviously is a pretty liberal, yeah, liberal place. Um, you know, and the, a lot of those types of things, especially whenever you're talking about, you know, a city magazine, yep. you know, or a magazine, a city newspaper doesn't often write about those things in a great light necessarily yeah. all the time. Right. Yep. Um, so it's nice. It was nice to see that they actually did a good job of covering what it was yeah. and what the intent was. And, yep. and I think that there's a little bit more from some of those types of publications that are a little bit more open, especially I won't go as far as to say that they're hunter friendly, but I feel like they're becoming a little bit more hunter accepted, especially whenever you have those types of programs. Um, coming into the city to do things, especially because, you know, Philadelphia is a big food city too. Yeah. And so it has a lot of like that locavore movement. Right. And so mm-hmm. the city can kind of get behind or people in the city, I shouldn't even say the city cause it's the people, you know, can get behind the idea of people wanting to, to know where their food comes from and yeah. like, be part of like getting their food and stuff like that. Like that's a big thing. And Philly's has a big, you know, in culinary scene and yeah. that's big in the culinary scene. So it makes sense. So I feel like that to a degree helps you yeah. know, if your city is kind of like into those types of things. But I had to literally sit in rush hour traffic to go hunt. That's it was crazy. weird. I'm like driving to the city and I'm like, this is weird. That you is know, you're weird. driving through downtown right. towards the airport and then, but it was good. They pre-placed blinds. Um, there's way too many deer on this, in this refuge, like Malner. They got nothing to eat. Yeah. You know? It's like, yeah just grass yeah, <laughs> and, yeah. Uh, i mean there's not food plots there's like there's one a, yeah. oak tree and um we we're like go sit by the oak tree and kill that deer you know right that, and they're uh, all coming there if there's yeah, acorns, yeah a girl did shoot a hammer buck yeah um, but I they never that. they never found it oh really well there was one there there was a, a really really big buck that was killed down there okay i must have then seen a, that another picture. girl i don't know how i mean we searched everywhere high and low i mean for mm-hmm. days we did grid searches on video, she made a great shot. Um, just never recovered. I think. Hmm. Th- I think the day I left, the next day they brought in a dog, but um, I don't know where it could have hidden or gone. But deer, you know, they always amaze you. But yeah. um, they can hide in the weirdest places. Yeah, there's some monster deer. Never hmm. been hunted ever. Yeah, and one of the, I think one of the country's first wildlife refuges ever. Yeah, is John Hines. I'm pretty sure you're right. So well, it's the birth of the country right here. Yeah, you know, so it makes sense that it would be the oldest, one of the oldest. Yeah. But uh, there's one one other thing I wanted to touch on really quick was just, we were talking about trail cameras a minute ago. 
And I, I don't even think I've told you this, but there, I have one camera up in this little suburban spot that I never hunted last year. And I haven't pulled that camera since like mid October. Let's go get it. Yeah. So I'm actually on Saturday. <laughs> I'm going to get up early because it's one of those places where you, well, you're familiar with this, but you got to slip in between some like houses and stuff to get yeah. into it and stuff. So it's like, I hate going in there like after everyone's up in the morning. Dress you know? like a bird watcher. Yeah. Well, <laughs> khaki shorts, button up shirt, and big binoculars. Where I'm walking in, it's not like, uh, you definitely ain't watching birds there. Yeah. You know, so, <laughs> um, but I'm going to go pull it on Saturday. Um, Cause I'm just, well, one, I'm curious to see what's on there. And I, unless there's something big in there, it's like, I probably won't ever set foot back in there. Yeah. But cause I'm kind of getting all my cameras cleaned up and ready to redeploy and move into some, some of the new areas that I've found. I got to update my camera game. It's weak. Yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm ready. I'm ready to roll. I'm just, cause well, I mean, man, it's like, we're looking at like, you know, the end of May here, man. It's like, it's time. It's actually time to like, I was yeah. actually thinking about it the other day. I was like, man, it's like it's actually time to get cameras out and start. June June is my month where I get where I put my cameras I, out. I usually always do it at end of May because I have a long weekend. Mm-hmm. You know, I know that it's a little early and you can't tell diddly squat for deer yeah. at that point from you know, for velvet, but it's the one time that I have like a long weekend where I can like get out and get everything out and just yep. make it that's the weekend I'm gonna go put cameras out mm-hmm. and get all that stuff out and be good to go. And then, you know, check them in like July, you know, second week of July or yeah. right around 4th of July, I might check them. And then after that, it's like, I usually let them go until, until right before the season. It's like, yeah. maybe I'll slide in and check them. But there's one spot I'm really looking forward to because I'm going to hang uh, a cell camera in the one spot because it's, I'll have to take you there. I'll show you on the map, but it's gnarly. It's hard to get into and it's not going to be a pleasant place to like hike into. Actually, it's going to pretty much suck going in to hunt it. Like, so I'm going to try to avoid going in at all. Yeah. <laughs> unless I know there's like a really good deer in there. But, well, man, we've been rolling on this thing for like, I don't know, an hour and a half, hour and 40 minutes, something like that. We can probably wrap this, <laughs> wrap this bad boy up. I got to pee really bad, too. <laughs> Sweet. So before we uh, before we wrap this jam up, let folks know where they can find out more about you, follow along with uh, you and all of your uh, hunting adventures. Uh, Instagram is just at Wilson.McSwain. So link in the bio. No, I'm just kidding. I don't know. I just <laughs> like saying I always feel official when I say that. Like link in the bio. Link I don't know what I'm bio. linking to, but yeah. Yeah. Wilson dot McSwain um is where you'll find my adventures. Awesome. Yeah. And cool. you never know on there because like one day I'll be like in Pennsylvania and the next day I'll be like going to Wyoming. Yeah, so. why don't you DM him and ask him about, you know, a piece of property and what those deer are doing on that property. So yeah. You get any intel out of it. Yeah. Anybody ask me anything you want, I'll give you all the right intel. Right. Awesome. So. brother. Well, thanks for coming over, man. It's good having a, a good buddy like you. I can still see face to face once in a while. I appreciate yeah. you coming over. Yeah, man. Fun times. All right, folks, that is a wrap for today's show. I'd like to thank all of you for listening. And if you haven't yet, please head over to iTunes and leave us a five-star rating and be sure to subscribe to the podcast. And hell, while you're at it, head over to YouTube and give us a subscribe there as well. I'll be super appreciative if you do those couple things for me. And before I shut this thing down, I need to give a big shout out to our partners who continue to help us make this podcast possible. Tethered, Exodus Outdoor Gear, Skull Brew Coffee Company, and Gumleaf USA Boots. And until next time... We'll see y'all.
All right, gang, the new Truth merch is in stock at truthfromthestand.com and on YouTube below any of the Truth From The Stand videos. I've got some new hats, beanies, t-shirts, long-sleeve t-shirts, and sweatshirts. There's even a new do-hard-shit hat for those of us who like to embrace micro-dosing adversity. So head to truthfromthestand.com and check out the new gear and use the code TRUTH, T-R-U-T-H, and save yourself some cash on the new gear. For Join me, Chef Jean-Paul Bourgeois, and the whole crew here at Duck Camp Dinners every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. Birds up in the sky.